love Michigan sports. Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, and the list goes on. And you love beer. Love beer. Who doesn't? What if we mixed the two together? This is State of My Sports. We'll talk everything Michigan sports like only we do, and then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery. Grading the beer throughout the episode, so pop a cold one on your end, and we'll get busy on ours. This is the State of My Sports. That's right, everybody. This is State of My Sports, and this is episode 151. After our hops flight segment, we're going to have a full Detroit Tigers season preview. Uh, we'll hit on everything from the additions to the betting odds um, and just kind of everything everything in between. Everything there, right? I already said everything, everything. a few times. Everything. We're going to hit on everything. Yeah. So if it's Tigers related, All of it. it's going to be part of the conversation. So, um, yeah. And then uh, we're going to talk about some of the players that we, we think are, are important heading into the year and set some season goals as well. Uh, we'll also keep our... NFL draft talk going. We're what three, four weeks away. It's coming up quick. Uh, we're gonna rank two more positions this week. It's gonna be the defensive line um, and the defensive end slash rush linebacker type thing. You know, it gets a little confusing. Yeah, we'll just mix it all together right there. Yeah, uh, we will have our masters fearsome foursome draft, and I will uh, try to give a back-to-back Wednesday parlay win because last week was a win, um, and of course we'll grade some. Michigan craft beer tonight. We got striker, baseball themed from Lost Art. So we'll we'll introduce that in in a quick minute. If you're on uh, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook Live, be part of the conversation. Throw your comments in. Let us know um, what you guys think and and tell us where we're right and wrong and all that good stuff in between. Tell us what you're drinking as well. Get all those lined up for our beer introduction segment after the flight. But uh, before we do- jump in, I did want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsors that help keep this thing rolling and free for our listeners, the Hops Brewing Company and Cafes, the official brewery state of my sports. Mac Web Design helped us get our website up and running, and Betting Hero helps us and you get the best promotions available in the sports betting world. I'm Sam Waltart. With me today, we got Ryan Waltart. Hello. John Dornboss working behind the scenes. John, you had set a nice little fishing trip. You didn't catch anything, but you just love being on the water, right? A bad day of fishing is better than a good day at work. Yeah, no, that's true. Maybe, <laughs> I, maybe an average day. I feel work. like I've got to get into the fishing thing. It was a good time. I just w- got to go out there. I hop, literally hopped in the boat, helped set some lines out, and, well, since it was an early afternoon from work, I got to tie in a little bit there for happy hour yeah. on the water. Nice. Would I would I be okay on a on a boat like long-term, or would people just get sick of me if, if, if we were fishing? Because I just I got to talk, right? But talk, you, are, are you allowed to talk? Sick, talk? sick of you? Talking, like, talking's okay to is a it? sense, yeah. I feel like I remember as a kid, like, you're not supposed to talk because it scares away the fish. That's what I was told. And I'm like, yeah, this <laughs> doesn't make any sense. My other bet was going to be Zadina scoring, and he just got one there. So, that, <laughs> oh, great. I'm, striking out. Yeah, I'm really struggling with that. One, one more to go to strike out. Yeah, but hey, they're up 3 2, so I'll take that. Um, but anyway, I mean, I don't know. Is that is that a, a false narrative? Yeah. I don't like talking a lot when I'm ice fishing. You're sitting on top of the ice above fish. Yeah. When you're out in a boat and you're moving around, talking's all fine and dandy, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, you got to have some conversation when you're out there. Like today, it was boring. No fish, didn't catch a bite, no, nothing. Yeah. A little buzz, good time. Yeah. Got to 
talk with a coworker I don't talk to very often outside of work, so yeah. it's cool. No, it's always good to get coworkers outside of the the office and, and yeah. like the work environment because you get to know people and you're like, hey, you're actually not too bad. We didn't speak a minute. <laughs> we didn't speak a minute of work. So you know? it was yeah, it was That's awesome. Good. You know, so. usually when I'm out with coworkers, I'm like, so how about uh, work these days? <laughs> like yeah. I never know what to talk <laughs> about. It was it was a nice change of pace. How about purchasing, you know, nice, right? nice. Yeah, they're they're all like hunters and stuff, and it, okay. so I'm like obviously not yeah you so can't talk you can't talk when you're hunting deer so yeah that's yeah. that's the top them part, deers right? they can hear you yeah <laughs> anyways uh for our hops flight segment john you want to start us off with what you want to talk about today oh i'll start yeah on Perfect. A hi- just on a high note man um uh speaking of work we had a work bracket challenge going on oh yeah and uh decided to throw in a couple of brackets and i ended up filling out three with three different winners all sorts of different upsets. Figured I'd just raise the pot a little bit, yeah, right? Yeah, exactly. Friendly wager, but everybody was pretty mad that I ended up coming up on top. And I needed uh, Kansas to win last night to leapfrog who was in first place going into the national championship game. Oh, that probably felt good. Um, that bracket, I think, had Duke winning it all. Okay. So I needed the victory out of Kansas. Them getting to the championship game didn't wrap it up for me. So. Talk about a game. Yeah, man. yeah, that was actually a really good. I went into last night, so I, I had a little money on it. I, what I did uh, heading into the final four was I took the the exact result. So I said Kansas will beat UNC in the championship. I, got, I think I got plus, I think I got plus five fifty odds or something like that. Okay, so it was good odds and stuff and good payout. And I was just trying to figure out, all right, what do I want to do to hedge this bet? Do I care enough? So I, what I did was then I took UNC plus four, and I hit on both. There you it go. was awesome. I was like, this is exactly what I want. I wasn't planning on staying up and watching the game because I don't really care a whole lot about college basketball, especially when I just get burned out by the time the Final Four comes around. Yeah. Um, but I, I stayed up and watched the whole thing, and it, it was awesome. Did what you watch comeback. it? Did you watch it? No, I watched the second half. Of, like When I Did saw the, the comeback starting, then like, I was like, I got I to gotta see this. I was waving the white flag at halftime. I was so pissed. You know, Kansas, yeah. Kansas came out hot at the beginning. I thought and it was going to be a runaway after yeah, that. Yeah, and then it turned around the other way, and it's like, man, you're down 15 at halftime. I was so upset. I said, I'm going to give them five minutes yeah. in the second half. If they can trim that lead to, we'll say, eight, nine, ten points, okay, I might hang out and watch the rest of the game. Sure yeah. enough, they came out hot right off the get-go in the second half, and I was on my edge of my seat, and then obviously stayed up way too late. Yeah. Um, had Kansas not been in that game, had I no chance of winning money, I would not have stayed up. For the game. How, yeah. how much did you win? Man, it was just two hundred dollars. Yeah, just two hundred dollars. Yeah, just, just it was that. it was Jeez. it was two dollars. I would take that to fill out a bracket. Everybody had to pay two bucks, and the owner ended up throwing another hundred dollars on top. Oh, of it that's kind of cool. Just to raise the pot and get a few more people interested in filling out a bracket. So two hundo, um, just yeah. uh, you know. A I gas would, tank's worth. And I would I, love two hundred dollars. I did. I did not want to lose to the lady in the office who picked Duke. Too, <laughs> right? You know, like who she, was it? Tracy? No, this was um, another gal. Uh, what's her name? Um, well, there's three of them, so it's bad of me. Tracy for, is is does work for you. Her name is Re- you, right? her name is Renee. Renee. Oh yeah, I know. Renee. Yeah. Renee. Yeah, she covers a little bit of Tracy's duties yeah. when Tracy isn't around. But it was cool to come out on top, and yeah, I guess. Uh, well. I they gave me a check, so I had to go cash it at the <laughs> bank. But I finally I finally got my cash for the bet. Nice. And funny story, I was going to throw some money down in North Carolina to cover that spread, right? Yeah, yeah. Let or well with the points before the game, and I was like, that way, if I lose my work bracket because Kansas didn't win, I still got a chance at winning some money. Yeah, you know, exactly. Coming out on top. Yep. Kind of glad I 
didn't, but at the same time, now I'm kicking myself for not you doing got it because I would have hit both. But yeah. uh, uh, I guess beggars can't be choosers. Yeah, so. no, I'm, I'm off just, to a good start this week. Yeah, I, I'm glad that college basketball is done. I, I feel like that's the last page of, of getting into baseball season, and now we can turn it turn it over and just and football. Move on. You're talking like spring so games, got draft, and drafts. Yeah, and, that's true. You know, guys showing flashes out there, free agency, free and stuff. So. Speaking of two. that, yeah, what, what, what was the next thing we were going to talk about? Ryan, did you have? Looks like uh, oh. Micah was going to talk about the Riley Green. Yeah, we'll just we'll save the yeah. Riley Green stuff for for our Tiger stuff, oh, which is right. coming up here. Quick. I was going to say I could fill in for Micah real quick. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to I was going to do the same thing actually. You I want it? You want to start with just that? Did I have a topic that I was going to bring up? You said maybe the Pistons, and then I was like, eh, maybe. And then you stopped texting me back. I, oh yeah, <laughs> I had to get back to work. <laughs> I forgot about that. Um, yeah, about I, I don't I don't know. What what do, what do you think? Pistons or Tigers? Let's talk Pistons. All right, so uh, yeah, I would say I guess you know Pistons have been winning lately. I think they were on a two or three game winning streak as of right now. Yeah, right? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think three games. Yeah, and they lost a close one to the Nets. Um, they beat the Sixers, which yep. that was a fun game to watch. Cade uh, definitely turned out for that one. And then we, um, yeah, who uh, they beat on Sunday? Thunder. We beat the Thunder, and we were trying to, to lose that game, but Killian came out and like. Scored twenty six points. Oh, and looked yeah. really, really good. And then, and then, um, since then we've won one more too. I think we beat the Pacers the other night. Was that on well. Sunday? Yeah, Pacers was Sunday. Um, another good game. I just think I the more I watch the Pistons, the more I see how lively they are on the bench. Like this team really tries hard. Like every the reason we've been so close in all these games recently is because. I, I think the group as a whole, they just like believe in trying hard and, and working hard and like they don't get down on themselves or they're down 10 points. They, they, they come back. They pretty good shooting group. Uh, Sadiq Bay doesn't hurt, you know, in all threes he has been lately. Yeah. Um, so uh, and people are getting their confidence. I see Killian working out. I can picture him in this offense and the team and like being a contributor, a main contributor that actually helps Cade Cunningham. I see Cade Cunningham as the leader. I see, um, the team without Jeremy Grant, if we want to move on from him. I see this team working out long-term yeah. with the pieces they currently have, and it makes me excited for the draft to come around and see what other piece they can have. Yeah, well, well, is there a certain position that you would you would circle or a specific player? I, I guess it will see where we land and, and all of that kind of stuff, and a lot can happen. But if Killian's going to work, you don't have to worry about getting another guard, right? Or no, would you I, still I try to upgrade that position? I think we could easily upgrade that position if if we were to go get the top guard in the draft. Um, that Jaden Ivy from yeah, Purdue. Yeah, 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 I mean he is such an athlete. I think it, that would be really intriguing to see where he fits on the team. And and, it, and if you are rich at one position and you just have a, a whole bunch of guards that are really good, I mean that that's just good for your depth and overall. You know, yeah. Team, I mean I a guess. positionless game right now that we're we're kind of getting into. It's kind of just just get the best players available. Well, and can you imagine a, a backcourt with Cade Cunningham, Killian Hayes, and Ivy on the court at the same time? Because Cunning, Cunningham can play. Well, Cunningham can guard the three or the four. Okay. So then you know they're not screwed on defense if they're trying to play small ball. That's the beauty of getting a guy like Cade, who's six 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 seven, guard multiple positions, act as the point guard and the, the floor general, but you don't need him to be a defensive liability. I I know that Kevin Durant had high praise for Detroit after that game. That was that was pretty cool. He, he was, was like he was hyping Detroit up. Yeah, big time. I forget exactly what he said, but it was something like th- like this team's going to be something to reckon with when they have a guy like like that. Because yeah. Cade scored what seventeen straight points. Yeah, well, yeah. he talked about too like if 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 Detroit ran Cade at the true point guard, you got a six foot five, six foot seven, whatever point guard. Yeah, 
and so, so that, are they, that are shuts they not? that shuts down. They're not running him things. at the true point guard position. Is that is that what I'm understanding? Uh, well, I mean, I, I think they got Killian out there, and Kate Kate takes the ball up the court when he has to. Kate okay. Kate is usually the floor general. He is the point guard, but what John is talking about is true. So we we also have um, blanking out his name, the old the old dude, um, Sfai, Kojo, whatever, Sfai. Corey Joseph, Corey oh. Joseph. Yeah, so Corey Joseph is still in the starting lineup on most nights. And even though he's not the one bringing the ball to the court and running the offense, he's still that that point guard, quote unquote, you know, um, position on the court. So he'll guard the opposing point guard. He'll guard or he'll play that that role. But I think once you once you trust one hundred percent that Cade is the point guard on the floor, then you can start building the the taller guards, more athletic guys, the the, the scores around him and let him do his thing. Yeah. But but I've just seen. Man, I've just seen the type of basketball that I think Detroit's been waiting for for a really long time, and this confidence that he plays within. He just looks like a, a true veteran already. And people are talking about, you know, the the kind of comparisons that you're seeing are are ahead of, you know, they're on like the Luka Doncic yeah phase. But it, but I don't. He's not going to be a defensive liability. Okay. So I I'm just I'm extremely excited about where this team's at. Yeah, and and it seems like it took a while to get there. Because we haven't, they've played really bad <laughs> at times this year. It well, was it was ugly. It, it felt like a step down. It like because last year they were playing competitive and we're like, hey, we can see it. And then you add Cade, and it wasn't there. It didn't seem like it was clicking and or no. gelling correctly. And all of a sudden, it is. And unfortunately, it's turning into wins, which kind of sucks the draft odds. But I think we're still we we're at a point that it doesn't isn't going to matter necessarily. It just kind of depends on the way the balls. Um, land at that point, but finally, and and I'm okay with it. But at the same time, lose these what I think three games that we have left. Yeah, lose them, which we tried, right? We, we tried. Yeah, we, I we mean, haven't we even played everybody. Yeah, but games. they just keep they keep winning. But it it shows the depth it's, that the team yeah. is, has at this point. And we usually have a couple of starters out there, and it, they're just stepping up and doing their, like their thing with Killian Hayes, yep. Sadiq Bay last game. I mean, but but again, these are guys that now belong in the league they feel like it. they know it they know when they need to take over in the league and and i just feel so good about that their last like 15 games too they haven't been getting blown out they've been in every game you know even the losses the wins have almost been like a higher point differential than their losses um so that tells you that they're at least competing they're out there trying to finish a game yeah and, and be in it i don't know how many of those close scores are garbage points at the end of the game when the other team may no have they're pulled. not they're close but yeah. they're they're playing teams that are competing for the playoffs right now in the eastern conference and they're holding their own and that's mm-hmm. like you said a good thing to see with these young guys yeah for sure and the kevin durant thing by the way the reporter said uh how you know you barely squeak out a win against a team like detroit and he's like what do you mean a team like detroit like he got all offended. Like, well, no, what do you mean about them? These got these are pros. Like these are up and coming team. Yeah. Like they're good. They got Cade Cunningham. They got a group of guys who, who try really hard. Like, what do you mean a team like Detroit? That he, made me like it was. It was pretty cool. Start was, to like him again. Well, he, he he was looking at the box score too. Like he knows these guys' names. Like yeah. we're you know Sadiq Bay and Isaiah is it Beef Stew right? Beef Stew, you right? Know? Yeah. Isaiah's these first. guys they're they're making a name for themselves. I mean, Cade has the name. He's the number one pick overall regarded player coming out of the draft. Blah blah blah. But like these other guys are stepping up too, and the youth. I, it's cool to see from a veteran like KD, who's arguably having one of his best seasons of his career too. Mm-hmm. Dominant. So good. Uh, speaking of so good, we got the Masters coming up this weekend. That was what I wanted to talk about real quick. Um, the Tiger Woods stuff, very, yeah. cr- very, very crazy. And John, you'll you'll probably 
have a lot more information than I do on this. Um, basically, what what it sounds like, yeah, I think he came out yesterday or like last night. He sent out a tweet. He's like, or had an interview. He goes, I, if it, I, I plan on playing, I plan on playing. Now he's on. He's basically it's solidified. He's gonna play this weekend. He's right? got a scheduled tee time for Thursday. Man. Yeah, he's playing with like uh, Louis Oosthuizen and Joaquin Neiman, a couple of European okay. players that are. Um, always up there in the leaderboard at the Masters, too. Uh-huh. These guys know the course. Louis, I think, has won it once or twice. Um, but, yeah, I guess, you know, he came up in practice, and that was his first, like, public practice that yeah. he's had since the car accident. Okay. Since uh, dang near losing his leg. Yeah, so 14 months ago, r- roughly. I think it was yeah. early February that yeah. he, he had that car accident. Basically, mm-hmm. his leg was in 17 different pieces or something like Shambles. that. Like, Shambles. it was a disaster, and, and it, they were – they didn't know if he was going to be able to keep his leg. They didn't know if he'd be able to walk again. And here he is. He already did that tournament with his son. He does. He's doing these practice rounds and stuff. Yeah, I think that was back in December. Yeah, yep. I mean, it blows my mind that he's able to do that. First of all, um, and, and good. I mean, I, I, look, I'm not a big golf fan, and, and I'm going to be one of those helicopter fans that if Tiger's in um, the mix of it, I'll, I'll end up watching it. Or if the guy that I bet end up betting on is is part of it, like I'll I'll, I'll jump in. And but I mean, what a, what a story! And and I'm okay with it. But at the same time, I I look back, or I just look at it from a, you know a outsider's perspective. And all of a sudden, Tiger's coming, and now all of a sudden, that's when the, the it starts getting um, some traction for the Masters. And and I'm sure there's golf fans that are all in on it either way but then you have so much talent so much young talent that i feel like is going to get overlooked in these type of situations and i i don't know why i care because i love tiger i love the story i want him to be the greatest i want him to win multiple more majors so he can be the greatest of all time that people still think he's not like that matters to me but at the same time it's like you got some talented guys that are just kind of getting overlooked just because Tiger's still part of the conversation, still <laughs> the the headline guy. It's, it's like the insane. two biggest stories are are Tiger and Phil, right? <laughs> yeah, Phil. Yeah, yeah. Neither, neither yeah. of them a week ago were going to be there. Yeah, you know. <laughs> but um, they're the two biggest stories. I saw. I think it was a tweet by Scott Van Pelt that said, um, "To any up up and coming golfer that is playing in the Masters, you could walk around the course bare naked." And nobody would notice you <laughs> because Tiger's there. Yeah. Like that's the kind of following he's going to draw. Oh yeah, yeah. The Masters has a turnout regardless. Like it's yeah, you know, a prolific, a historic uh, tournament that is a waiting list to get into. It's only better for the game of golf that Tiger's there. I would be surprised if he makes it through Friday. Um, Augusta is the <coughs> toughest walking course that the PGA players oh, play really? in okay. the United States. No, um, he could probably get an exemption, right, and be able to take a cart, or do they not do that at the I th- Masters? I at all? think no. I don't. I don't know that they do for majors. Um, okay, but I know that if you get injured, you're allowed to get a cart ride, but you still have to like finish the round. Um, it'd be cool if he could ride around. I yeah. think it's only fair. You're gonna. You're, the ratings are gonna go through the roof. Yeah, and the hype is like you said gonna be there. Um, all these guys that look up to Tiger Woods are playing in the tour right now. Yeah. I mean, he's everybody's favorite it golfer on was tour. Tiger, yeah. I mean, um, honestly, it's it's funny because you look at his biggest competition. I mean, obviously, he's 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 not part of the, the favorites to, to win this thing. But the ones that are are because of him because he completely changed the game. He made it popular. He made it cool. 
like to him, be a golfer and, and put time and effort into it. Him you know, and, him and Justin Thomas are like best friends, and that's crazy because there's a huge generational gap between the two. Yeah, Justin Thomas is on his come up, and Tiger is kind of closing that door, but they get along and. I know that, that that that's who he played his practice round with the other day was him oh was it? Okay. I think Fred Couples. All right, Freddie's always in there. Freddie's an old the dude. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't hit the ball far. He doesn't. Um, he's got a good iron game and can putt. Um, I feel like he's always in the mix, uh, coming around the cut. Yeah, and and the Masters and like falls apart the last two days. The interesting thing with the Masters is it's just a completely different tournament than all the other ones because yeah. like it's not about it's about how you play that course. Period. Right. Like I know that that's probably a stupid saying because it's obvious depends on what but like you can get a crazy course that it's all about hitting the ball really long and then all of a sudden a guy like tiger who can't hit the ball as long but you know like knowing that he can compete and play this course well as long as you're just playing yourself and not playing against everybody else you're gonna be fine it's one of he's could he could contend right? oh yeah absolutely and i mean it's his favorite course to play yeah and it's just all about putting at yeah, that point, hitting if, the putts. He's just got to hit safe tee shots, not overdo anything, and make sure that his irons are on, and you never know what happens around the green, especially yeah. with Tiger Woods. Um, but, yeah, Augusta is one of a handful of courses that's open all year round, but they close for nine months in preparation for this tournament. Nine months? Nine months. Holy smokes. How did, that is that – really? That's, that's, that seems that's, weird. That's just why that course looks so much different on TV, and the like I said, the hype, the HD cameras nowadays too. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's, it's I like always that. been green and luscious with the yellow flags. But I do like that. I don't um, like the 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 announcer though. He bothers me. Which which one? The, I get, mean, uh, the guy that usually does it. The hello friends or whatever. Oh, what? is that Jim Nance? Yeah, Welcome. I'm not a big oh. I'm not a big Jim Nance fan. I feel like he's just a I don't know. <laughs> arrogant, what do you think? Arrogant <laughs> prick. <laughs> I, he just seems arrogant to me. Yeah, like Bob Costas, I think it seems like a good dude, and right. I don't think I don't think Jim Nance is, but I don't know. That's just a outside perspective, I guess. But before we move on, it's a hot take <laughs> from our De Hops beer flight <laughs> segment. I want to remind everyone that De Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is serving incredible food and pouring some of the best craft beer in West Michigan. Chef Dan, Chef Dan's revamped food menu and head brewer Ben's rotating taps, wine and ciders make De Hops perfect for whatever you have going on from dinner with a family, late night drinks with friends, and everything in between. The Ben and Dan duo is putting on putting a ton of their time and energy at making the hops a staple in the West Michigan restaurant community that we highly recommend to our friends and listeners. They have Taco Tuesdays, Stein Night Wednesdays, and some incredible specials on Fridays and Saturdays. I highly recommend following them on Instagram and Facebook where, where they'll share like the weekly specials and some pictures of all the great food. Um, it'll make your your mouth water for sure. Also, the new beers they came out with, Juju Ryan. What, what you were actually there today for? for yeah, talk about, yeah. What, took the whole family there. Did you get a beer there. or no? Yeah, I got uh, Schwarz beer. I Schwarz got the, beer. Yeah, the um, what Shadow Box. Sha- okay, beer. so they uh, they announced they have Juju Smith, oh, Juju Smith, Juicer, Juicer, something <laughs> like that. Yeah, yeah, I forget the exact name. I, I almost, I almost got it. But yeah, but yeah. we're gonna drink that one next week. When oh, we're okay, perfect. So, okay. Yeah, I already, I already made that decision for us. So. Um, yeah, but follow them on, on the social media platforms and, and get all that good information. The uh, Hops is the official brewery of State of My Sports in 2022, and if you mention State of My Sports, you'll get a nice little discount off your first beer. Speaking of beer, let's talk about what we're drinking today. Anybody want to introduce this one? Yeah. 
Uh, from Lost Out Brewhouse, um, we're drinking Striker, the lager um, from Lost Art. It's five percent. Um, this is this has got the old school baseball. I, I, I feel like I should know who this is. If it is somebody specific, I don't know. Mickey Kaline. No, I have no idea. <laughs> Mickey Kaline. It's, it sounds like a baseball name. It was, wasn't it? Mickey Kaline. Oh no, yeah. Al, Al Kaline and it Mickey was, Mantle. Yeah. Mix? So so Hey Arnold. Remember Hey Arnold? You remember that show? <laughs> yeah. They had Mickey Kaline. That oh, was really? the big name player because it was Al, a mix of Mickey Mantle and, and Al Kaline. Oh, he was, there you go. But he looked like Babe Ruth. It was weird. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that. Yeah, so this is, this is a lightly toasted bread malt blackbone, and it holds up to the hand-selected Michigan Crystal Hops, giving it an invigorating flavor profile. So um, pretty pretty easy drinkable lager. I think that's kind of what lagers are, but yeah. I like the flavor of this a lot. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Um, Lost Art is in uh, Walker, Michigan, right down the road, actually. Um, shout out to the brewer Brad. I was like, hey. On Remembrance, doing, right? Remembrance, yeah. I, I was like, hey, we're doing a, a baseball-heavy um, episode got any of like so I always ask for like the the short pours that they can't sell and stuff. Like, oh, dude, I got you. We're good. So he set these aside and we picked them up. So th- shout out to to Brad. Thank you guys. And Lost Art does a great job. They also have some really good like the the IPA smoothies and stuff beers, which are really good. So is should- is Striker is that a, a poke at the strike that they almost had? <laughs> no. So the, this beer is is or older than that. Be. They've they've okay. done it, but no. It's I think it's about like strike three is my okay. guess. The K, the actual K. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Got like, it. Good. Good start to to the night drinking one of these. So drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. <laughs> You're listening to State of My Sports. Real quick, I did want to mention that Carrie is drinking a blueberry strawberry hop shake by Arvon Brewing Company. So that's a that's a solid beer right there. Shout out to to Carrie and Arvon. We got we love Arvon. Arvon does some great stuff. But it is time to have our Detroit Tigers season preview, and I'm pumped yeah. about Tigers baseball. Um, last season, the Tigers finished third in the AL Central, going 77 and 85 overall, finishing 16 games back from the division-winning Chicago White Sox, but finished 14 games over their over-under win total that was set by Vegas at 63 last year. Uh, through 33 games, the Tigers were 9-24, and 15 games below 500, but responded pretty well and became a competitive team uh, with, with the well-below-average lineup and young rotation uh, that really wasn't released into the wild uh, even last year. I think they, they, they held them back. They did all that that type of stuff. Um, and, and it feels like the way that they're building this team, they're ready. And, and we're going to get into all the all the details of, of what this lineup's going to look like, what the rotation's going to look like, the bullpen, all the good stuff. But I didn't want to start out with, with what, the, what Vegas is kind of telling you about this Tigers team. They're over-under. Like I said, last year was set at 63. They bumped it up to 78.5 wins. Uh, which is uh, a, a nice little jump, still lower than what I what I expected. I expected them to be closer to 500 um, when it came to Vegas, but I mean, give or take a few, it doesn't really matter when all is said and done. Uh, plus 550 to win the AL Central behind the White Sox, who is minus 210, minus 210. That's in- insane. And the Twins at plus 490. I don't understand that. I know they got Correa. People are getting really excited about them. They have a good rotation. 
I feel like the Tigers are better than the Twins, even on paper. I don't understand that, but we'll see. Um, they have the 10th best odds to win the AL at plus 2,800 and 18th best to win the World Series at plus 5,500. Um, I actually put money on, on them to win the, the Central about two weeks ago. You, on the Tigers? Yeah. Really? And over the White Sox? Over the White Sox. And nice. I, and it was actually before the Tim Anderson suspension. Or not suspension. He's hurt, right? Um, yeah. And then they also traded Kimbrell. So, like, I don't want to say they've so – like No, their lineup is they're stacked. Still, they're still stacked. And it is definitely um, going to be tough. They, but uh, they have some question marks, though, they right? They do. Yeah. They have question marks. And I'm sorry, but Tony La Russa, he's old as junk. I don't understand how that guy could manage a true contender. <laughs> he's old as junk. Yeah. Oh gosh, <laughs> that's, that's a great statement, right? Yeah, I know. Um, so true. Couple, couple more betting odd things that I want to bring up before we move on to some additions. Um, Casey Mize is ranked fifteenth in the AL Cy Young odds at plus thirty five hundred, and then Torkelson is third at plus five hundred, and Green is ranked fifth at plus twelve hundred for AL Rookie of the Year. I actually had money on Green to win the AL Rookie of the oh, Year. Oh no! And then he got hurt. Luckily, I cashed out, so I got my money back. It wasn't like a a big deal, but like I just nice. thought. So that, what are they saying? With with eight weeks or so, I expect probably three or four more of of a rehab stint. Maybe even not even call them up until if, unless they actually actually need them. But um, let's actually start with that. Let's start with the Riley Green injury. Then we can go into the the additions that that we're we're heading into this season. Um, turns out, I mean, so Torkelson made the team. Great story there. We love that. This is exactly what we wanted to hear. And then. It f- I mean, Riley Green was probably the best player on this team in, in spring training. And I know spring training is what it is. It's not like your best player is going to be your best player because it's it, baseball is all about averages, right? And <laughs> the water will find its level. And you don't want to, like, overhype a guy because of a good spring training. But, man, he was he was, he was was our best player on both sides of the ball. Well, his misses were good. And, and that's what we talked about last week, I think, is, um, you know, he had a couple home runs where I, I don't know if he hit it better than like you know 75 percent you know it's like he popped it up and it went over the fence by accident so when when the guy's missing or not putting his best swings forward but he's still getting the results in in spring that means that you know he's working on very specific things that's what baseball is about like feel good see the ball prep yourself for for the season and he just seemed like he was firing on all cylinders like he belongs seeing the ball yeah like his just the way he swings and his body he's big league ready yeah, it was clear he was bigger, bigly ready from the spring. Um, he he put up better numbers and everything. He looked more comfortable than Torkelson through the spring as well. Yep. So yeah, I agree with you. I think he was prepped, ready to go, and um, it's too bad the timing is just couldn't get worse for him personally. Yeah, yeah, it's, it really sucks. So what he did is he followed the ball off his foot, um, battled through. He got he actually legged out a triple. Um, yeah, against yeah. Garrett Cole. Yep. Right. This, this is all that that was happening. Then and turns out. So I think when he was on thirty, he. I don't know if the inning ended, ended or, or what whatnot, but uh, eventually got taken out of the game. Got the X-rays. Turns out it was a broken foot. Yep. And I mean, look, he's young. It happens. A broken foot isn't going to be a, a, a massive injury or something like that. But if you rush it, it can be right. It could cause some issues, and that's where I just feel like it's it's a opportunity for the Tigers to slow it down. And, and it's almost like, hey, we we can keep control. Of that extra year, like we're, we're it, it's setting up okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. I would rather him be on the team. I, I, yeah. I've said it. I'd rather it, but the fact that the team was ready to 
put him on the on the opening day roster and opening day lineup and be our number one outfielder. And that that was encouraging to me that it wasn't they weren't holding back. And that's what I want to see from the organization. And now I can sit back and be all right. Now we're going to get that extra year. Yeah, and it's it, it's kind of it's kind of the best of both worlds in yeah, a lot we're of just ways. Looking on the uh, on the bright side, not getting uh, what we want from from Riley Green to start the year. I, I really thought he had a great chance to be rookie of the year until that happened, and he still could. I mean, <laughs> eight eight weeks isn't that much. No, but when it, you're going to see more fourteen or something, that's when you can cause some votes if you will yeah and and even the the martinez kid from uh seattle you know he's going to be starting with the mariners with you know now that now that all of these details have been worked out with the holdout and everything you know this is going to be the new norm where we see the top prospects not be held out for the first two weeks or or first month or whatever to get the the extra years teams aren't as concerned about that anymore so they're going to start bringing these guys up when they're ready so they can start competing early Mm. and so you know tigers were obviously willing to do that he kind of proved himself in camp and and it, it just it is what it is now now we can look and say okay well you know maybe he's a rookie next year uh this is completely out of our control it's just a random fluke yeah. event and yep. we can all be happy about it no i, I even agree even under bad circumstances yeah right? so let's get into some of the additions uh that that we added the, more of the bigger ones uh from from last year that, that we're adding to this year um javi baez the shortstop uh Signed him from the Mets, I think it was six year, hundred forty million dollar deal with, with a couple opt outs in there. So like, yeah, I, I mean, huge upgrade, huge upgrade. I mean, what is he going to do? I I don't know, but it's going to be a massive upgrade from what we dealt with last year. With uh, Nico Goodrum was our starting shortstop yeah. on opening yeah. day. Give me a break. And then we had someone named what was the 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 kid that came in? <laughs> like I want to say Turner, but it's not Turner. Oh is yeah, it? Um, short, short, Andrew Zach Short. short. Zach Short. Zach Short, yeah, Zach Short came in and people were like, hey, we like him. No, we don't. Yeah, <laughs> like, he was fun for a minute. 195 hitter. Yeah. Had some jitters. Yeah, That's and, and it, massive upgrade and, and at a key position, both offensively and defensively. Um, that That's going to be fun to watch, and I hope the, the other – things that were added to this roster will kind of relieve some of the stress that he could have felt as being the big name free agent um, and, and kind of feel the weight of, of the world on his shoulders. But um, when you get into the other additions and then the the rookies and stuff, it's a good it's a good mixing pot of, of where the pressure is going to go. Um, so then outside of uh, the road, more in the rotation, Eduardo Rodriguez, he he was the the signing, the big uh, signing, I guess, for oh, yeah. for, your, for your rotation. He, he's going to get opening day nod, which I thought was interesting over Casey Mize. It felt like they were going to give that to Casey and let him be the new Justin Verlander. But take that stress away, take that extra pressure, and just go out, put somebody out there, and, and go have a good start. That, that's that been around the league. That's really important when it comes to opening day. Start, yeah, he's right? established, and he's, and he's been looking good. He's been building up to this recently, and, and I'm I'm excited about having that lefty break up the, the rightiness in there too. Yeah, like they're going to be going lefty, righty, lefty. I think with Torque, uh, Torque or with um, or, sorry, uh, Scooble. So yeah. you got Eduardo, Mize, Mize, Scooble, Scooble, Manning, exactly. or Pineda or whatever. Yep, exactly. So you get that back and forth, and now you're not going to squeeze those lefties right next to each other. Yeah, I do like that. Um, Pineda was the other uh, signing, if you will, for the for the depth rotation depth for the for the Tigers. Uh, this one didn't. S- it's not a splash by any means. It was, a, I think, a one-year deal, not a ton of money. 
Um, but he was one of the better pitchers down the stretch last year, and, and if he can kind of keep that rolling, he could be a good piece, a good fourth or fifth guy. Where, wherever it lands, we need that. Because yeah. we still have three young pitchers that were going to be the core of this rotation. And I'm sorry, they're going to go through their, their bumps. They're going to go through their bruisers. They're going to have their arm stuff that they're, all right, we're holding them to four innings today and, and all of that kind of stuff. When you can have a Michael Pineda who's been around the league, again, another veteran guy, um, good signing. And, and it'll be interesting to see how, how it all gets maneuvered because it, he's definitely an upgrade from the Tyler Alexander and um, sorry, the, the other names escaping me for the um, long reliever. Willie Peralta, I guess he's not really a, a long reliever, but it relieves them to be like, hey, if somebody gets injured, then you bring in the Tyler Alexanders or Willie Peralta and, and figure that out. No, I think you nailed it with the. We have a young pitching staff. Like, they're going to go through stuff. There's going to be question marks about their durability throughout the season so when you have a chance to have a guy like this you know this isn't going to make them a world series contender yeah, exactly we're not expecting it to be but this is just another solid signing that we desperately needed in my opinion i think we we can maybe look forward to some of these younger guys moving forward some of the prospects coming up too to, to fill some of these needs yeah but i don't want to count on it i don't want to have to count on it i want to bring them up when they're ready and let these veterans fill some innings and even if he turns into a long reliever who cares let's fill some let's bridge that yep. gap if we're having a bad game toss him in there let him pitch until the six and then and let your relievers take it from there yeah um another i think underrated move that that we're kind of forgetting about, and this was actually i think last season technically i think it was before this the was, new this was early the new calendar season technically yeah. started i feel like it was like during the the world series almost but the tigers traded for tucker barnhart who's the catcher veteran catcher um he's he's caught some really good pitchers uh a playoff leading you know catcher if you will like he, he's caught a playoff rotation and he's been in the playoffs he's done what he's done he's not gonna what he does is not going to explode on the page or anything like that he's not gonna put up numbers that were like oh this is awesome but it's all about how he catches our young rotation and the mix of what what he can do with these guys the casey mize and the Tarek scuba the manning and even the pineda like Rodriguez, like how he catches a game, how he uh, calls a game, how he works with with AJ Hinch are the important things of how he, the value that he will bring to this organization. He's he's known as a defensive catcher. He's known as a stud behind the plate, and all the advanced stats prove that as well. Yeah, it's not like a crazy great arm, but he's very technical, right? Like yep. he's a good receiver. He gets those extra calls. He's athletic behind the plate. Yeah, yeah. he he calls good pitches. He he's able to win strikes on low pitches and outside. He makes it look good for the umpire. So overall, I think it was just a, a good, solid move to bring another one of these. I, I like athletic catchers too. I just, it's, yeah. it's a, I don't know. I, th- I think it's a little, a bit of a pet peeve when you just have a big body back there who doesn't ever move oh, his shoulders. Gerald Laird was really good. Uh, I loved, I loved watching him throw back <laughs> to the pitcher. Yeah. With his right foot. He was one of the most right hand unathletic <laughs> human beings I've ever seen. Uh, clearly I've been through the whip, or the yips like, Maybe four times because you don't <laughs> throw like that. You don't, you don't get told how to how to or to, how to throw like that. <laughs> he yeah. was so bad. Oh my god. No, but I like I he like was Barnhart. So funny to watch. Cause, yeah, Barnhart because yeah. Barnhart gives you the left-handed bat option as well because he's a switch hitter, right? Yeah, and and his left-handed option so, I think works so, really well with Eric Haas. Now I might I might be wrong. He was originally a switch hitter. Went o- only to, left. Then he switched to only being one, and I don't know if it was left or right. I, I wish I, I, uh, 
I remember hearing it, but now he's bringing back the switch hitting. He wants to go back to the, being a switch hitter and stuff, which is good. I mean, switch hitters are always, you know. They're weird. They're weird, but oh. they're they're good to have. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, yeah. I've never understood. I don't know how you did it. Like, it's just I, crazy <laughs> to me, but. I just ended up being a bad hitter for a few years until I figured it out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's how. Yeah. No, but um, I, I I agree. It's an underrated signing. It's good for our young pitchers, and the, the best thing you can do is set up this staff, which is the most important thing for our team yep. long-term, is uh, make sure our staff has everything they need to be successful, and that is uh, a huge part of that's a catcher. Um, another big move that happened was yesterday. Last, yes, yeah. last night. Well, we've, we've already talked about Riley Green. Yeah, the injury to, the injury Riley, to Riley Green. Green. And, and that, I think, played a lot into what what happened with the, with the Tigers traded um, Isak Paredes and a second round pick or, or what, what was the pick I, I thought in baseball you couldn't trade picks well it's the competitive it's the competitive balance B pick okay so um, I think it's most likely is that a second round pick or is that a third round pick <laughs> I, I could look that up I, while we're honestly talking. heading into this I did not think you could trade draft picks in in baseball. I thought that was the rule. Now it might be a competitive picks. So you're allowed to tra- trade those. I, I I I don't understand. I it blew my mind. I don't know if it was part of the new like CBA or like I don't know what's going on. Uh, it threw me off when I saw that we traded Isak Paredes. Can we just call him Isak now that he's not on the team? Yeah, let's just decide. Just, just call we'll him just, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, so we'll just call him Isak Paredes. And so we traded him and this random. Pickish thing uh, for Austin Meadows, and what Austin Meadows brings to the team is power that we don't have, right? Yep. And I mean, he's not good defensively by any means, but we don't need to. We don't need. He's a good that, athlete, is he? Yeah, he's not like he's not an amazing athlete, but he's not a defensive liability. I wouldn't call him. Okay. Um. So I mean, what, what are you, what are your overall thoughts of this trade? Let's let's sp- start with what Austin Meadows brings. Well. I, um, I think it was two years ago, or it could have been 2019. He hit like 291 with 33 home runs, 87, 89 RBIs. I mean, the numbers were just really, really good. And he was an All Star that year. Since then, he's he's become more of a swing and miss guy. His average has kind of dipped. Uh, but what this brings is a left-handed bat that is uh, that has some pop. And 33 home runs last year. Like what you said, and I, I think that just adds a dynamic to our outfield that was maybe uh, it just didn't exist with the with the current group, and we were looking for Riley Green to give some of that pop, and I think this this just adds another again another dynamic of just hitting a home run capability at any time uh, doesn't matter who's on the mound. So I did want to quickly correct you. It was twenty seven bombs last year. Uh, 2019 was when he had 33 bombs. Okay, 2019. So, yep. Um, but I mean, 104 RBI last year, which is I mean, he he's got power. And one thing that it se- seems like, and correct me if I'm wrong, but with that type of power, I mean, he had sorry, I have the number here, 29 doubles. In in uh, playing for the Rays, in my head, Comerica Park is doubles. Like if he can, he has the power to hit those gaps that can really become a good hitter, like a Candelario type type guy like when he gets it's not about power getting hitting it over the fence at Comerica Park every time it's about finding those gaps and being able to run run it out and turning those doubles into triples yeah. in Comerica Park I well, feel like his triples could go up and he's that he's got a lot more capability uh, you know power capability than Candelario will ever have so um yeah overall I think this was a good a really good response to the injury to Riley yeah. Green yep 
this can bridge that gap until Green comes back. But not only that, it gives them even more weapons and maybe even trade opportunities later on in the season. We we don't I don't want to limit this to just say it's only a response, but I think it's actually made our team better in the long run. Yeah. And and it takes a little bit of pressure off of a guy like, you know, Victor Reyes, uh Derek Hill, some of these younger guys who've been around the organization for a while, but we, we still don't know what we're going to get. Like yeah. We're, yep. If they hit 20 bombs in a year, like everybody would be ecstatic. Exactly. We expect that from Meadows. It's just a different level of play. And you need that guy. You need you need power. You need power in this league, period, end of story. And this lineup is, is as fun as, as we were about it with Torkelson, yeah, there's not a whole lot of power. Well, and – But he, he just made our, our starting nine our that much deeper. So, like, power where you weren't expecting it can all of a sudden – Start showing, and a guy can start swinging for power more often. And and I will. and I like Isak Paredes. I'm a big fan of his. He he sees the ball well. He, he gets on base. Um, but we have a log jam in the infield at this point, mm-hmm. and he wasn't going to get obvious playing time anywhere anytime soon. So this to me is something where like if he were to eventually have years like what we've seen from Meadows already in the bigs yeah then we would be pretty excited about the the opportunity of him or the capabilities of him you know at being added to this lineup mm-hmm. so right now we've just kind of traded for just you know maybe two or three years down the road and the rays are always looking for more um more yeah. years of control and and cheaper options I, right I, I, so looking at the trade from like a what do you call it a 2000 foot or what do they say whatever it doesn't matter from you look at the hundred foot view or something like that. Yeah, something like that. I, I forget what how many feet it is, but that's a, that's a long way to hit a baseball. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, it's like hundred feet. You look. Yeah, I, can, oh, I think I oh, can do that. Two thousand. What? what 2000, you say? Yeah. <laughs> um, But anyway, it's like might be a record. At first, I was like, "Whoa, we just got Austin Meadows. I love that." And I, I'm like, "Credit to to Alavila to go out, make a move, be aggressive," and it feels like. He just finally won his first trade of his of his uh, of his life. <laughs> that's what that's what my first thought. And then I sat back. I'm like, all right, this is with the the Rays. Who? When was the last time they lost who a trade? Don't lose trades. They don't lose trades. Yeah. Alavila doesn't win trades. So what are we missing here? And like, I don't want to. I don't want to put a damper on it because I'm excited about. It. I think it's the right move, especially with the log jam. And I feel like it's a um a little bit of extra confidence. Was that Verona that just scored that? Yeah. He just said yes, it was. Yeah, um, <laughs> he answered you. So I need one more from with him. his head. <laughs> Give me an empty netter, buddy. <laughs> uh, no, but uh, going to like the. I'm sorry, I completely lost track of what I was saying. Um, but the log jam that we have, there wasn't going to get that playing time, and he. It, it's a good opportunity for for Isak Paredes too. Now, I also am curious of what that means for third base because. Last year, it was we moved Candelario to first here and there to make room for Paredes to play. Who fills that need as the backup third baseman? Well, we have two Castros on the bench at this point. Do you, but but Willie's doesn't have a good enough arm to play third, right? Willie Castro. I feel like that's what they he's, said. Like he's that's not why a, he was better second baseman because he didn't have the arm to play short. He's not a natural. He's got the arm. He just the the. He's got like almost the yips from the infield side where he okay. just doesn't know where it's going right now. All right. Harold Castro can play third base. He he can fill that need, and I think he's a good guy to just get in the lineup. Okay. He can hit two ninety for. He's not going to give you much else more than that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but he can he can fill a need. Again, though, I go back to like Javi Baez. If if we if we break down that signing, 
Did we overpay for him? Yeah, I think we did in the long run. Now that we see what the other guys, what the other shortstops got after after the, the holdout. Yeah. So yep. now that we see, now we can compare and say, oh, Tiger's overpaid for this, but it's not a ridiculous n- number. It's not going to destroy our franchise in, yeah, by yeah. any means. But what it did, again, is just overall the upgrade of last year's shortstop play and dependability and production from that that position compared to what we're expecting out of Baez, even as like a, maybe an oversigned or overpaid shortstop. It's it's not even close. You can't compare what he's going to bring. It's going to be way better than the production we got last year on a decent team. Yep. Right. And so the same is true out of Meadows here. Is he a swing and miss guy? Is his average low? He's not a very um, you know high on base guy. He might walk 50, 55 times a year, um, and he can strike out 120, 130. Well, who doesn't strike out these days? Yeah. He gives you pop, and the production we're going to see out of this guy is well above anything that we're going to get out of. Victor Reyes yep. and Derek Hill. That that's what I'm seeing. Like okay. those are the guys that are going to step in for uh, Riley Green, and until he's there, and, until he's there, yeah. And at that point, I'm sure we'll have an injury, and, and you know, it, having four good outfielders is a good thing. Yep. So let's get into the starting nine. Uh, you got uh, this is a projected uh, road or starting nine. <laughs> this this um, makes me pretty excited. Looking at looking at the starting here. nine, yeah. All right, so let's get into. It. So starting off uh, would be a kill Bedu. Who's going to start off at center field? Yeah. Uh, number two, you got Robbie Grossman in right field. Javi Baez batting third uh, for shortstop. Again, this is just a projection. It's going to change day in and day out. It just that's just the way it works. Can we, can we just break it down? Those are the top three, real yeah, quick. Yeah, yeah. So there. Badu hit his fourth home run of the spring today. Okay. He he's got pop. We know we know what he brings on the base pass and everything. I really like what he brings. Robbie Grossman's an on base percentage guy. So he's two fifty. He hit over twenty bombs last year, twenty four or something, twenty five. So he's got the pop. Number two, gets on base. I think he's he's switch hitter. I, I think he's a perfect number two guy for us. Javi Baez, he's got something to prove this year. He was the least popular like out of all the shortstops uh, for free agency this year. He's the least popular option that people were were looking at. Yeah, I think he's going to come with with something to prove and just watch out. He could he could go off for one of those types of years. No, that'll be. I hope so. I mean, and then you got uh, Candelario uh, protecting him, which we'll Candelario see. in the protection world doesn't seem like his fit. Now we'll see where it all plays out. This is obviously a projection. It seems like Torkelson will move up eventually. Just to just protect, w- yeah, just uh, wait. Javi Baez type but, thing. But Candelario has had this role on the team where he's almost comes in the clutch. It, yeah, he seems that's to true. be the clutch guy for the yeah. team and that fourth role just kind of it fits. So then you got Miguel Cabrera at DH for batting 5th, Austin Meadows our left fielder now batting 6th, Jonathan Scope all the way down to 7th who will be our second baseman. I don't hate it. He seemed like our most professional hitter over the last couple of years. Yeah. So bringing him down is that what, what kind of benefit does that type does that bring? Well, it just shows the difference in depth. Yeah. We're not going to rely on hit on on Jonathan Scope to be a number three hitter in a lineup. Yeah. Like he never should have been in the first place. <laughs> but when you're the only pro and and you know the rest you're just filling with minor league talent, that's what you get. And that was two years ago. Mm-hmm. It wasn't that long ago, and now we're talking about a lineup that I'm pretty excited about. And and Scope is hitting seventh. Well, that's where he belongs. Like he's a he's a decent. He's going to give decent production out of second base in the seven hole. And then you got Torkelson uh, right behind him, batting eighth, and then Tucker Barnhart uh, batting ninth. Um, do you think this will be kind of the the everyday roster, if you will? 
when when push comes to shove when you're playing against your normal righty lineup or or what are we looking at here? Yeah, I think it definitely could be. Um, I really think that they're going to try to mix up these players as much as they can. I I expect the and Castros find their find their spots. Too, I, right? Well, I, yeah, I expect Castros to to get Harold Castro and Willie Castro to get some time. I expect them to get some at bats and fill in pretty regularly. And I think Victor Reyes and Derek Hill will get some time in there too. Um, no, but I, but but overall, the the outfield right now feels more solidified than the infield. And so, like, if if I don't know, this is kind of hard to explain. But I guess if if Torkelson is going through something, they're going to give him they're going to give him off. days off. They're yeah. going to let him clear his mind. Um, I, I think Candelario too. Like, if if you start off the year poorly, sorry, we're going to bring in some you yeah. know one of the Castros to see if he can hit. Um, shoot, I forgot what I was going to ask you. A couple of these guys could move like up as much as like two spots in the lineup too. If you look through there, like Baez, Candelario, Miguel Cabrera, Austin Meadows, Jonathan Scope could all bat in the, t- in the top four. Yeah, right. Yeah, you could you could rotate those guys around. Um, I could see. I mean, I don't want to see it. I hope everybody just hits you know two eighty and above. And That'd be awesome. You don't man. have to touch the lineup, <laughs> but I could see a guy like Robbie Grossman or Akil Badu swapping spots, or one of them dropping back towards a little bit lower in the lineup. Yeah, sure. And yeah. bumping a guy up just to get a little more pop at the top. But they all have it. Grossman feels like he could be a really good nine hitter. Yeah, kind of turn that lineup over and have that second leadoff guy instead of your your number one being your only lead. You know what I mean? He's like, such a professional hitter. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he's going to be a nine, but Ooh. but I get to the point. Yeah, it makes sense. No, oh, I, I remember what I was going to ask you. So obviously, I, I don't watch Houston. I didn't watch Houston in their heyday and stuff. But in my head, they had their starting nine and they stuck with it, and that yeah. was kind of their go to. Like they would have a few guys go in and out. Now. Do, do you feel like the Tigers are deeper than what the Astros were that they that AJ Hinch will do that and kind of go away from what worked for them with the Astros? Or are we still too early to kind of compare AJ Hinch with the Astros and Tigers with the Astros? Well, I think I think what they had was a couple of guys that moved all over the field and they they didn't have their spot, but they were everybody else's filler. Okay. And and I'm trying I'm blanking on his name. Um he's bouncing around the league now quite a bit. I think he's with the Yankees right now, isn't he? I'm not, I don't know. Old old Astros guy. Shortstop sometimes when Correa was out, but either way. Um, so I see a guy like Jonathan Scope. Like, how often have we seen him play first base in recent years? Yeah, yeah, a lot. A, a ton, right? right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then a guy like Candelario, DH instead of Cabrera if he needs some days off. And then you get Torkelson moving to third. Like, this, I just feel like these guys are not locked into their only position that they play, like a lot of the guys. On, yeah. on Houston was doing, right? So Correa was going to play shortstop no matter what. Yeah. I think I don't I don't see like I guess Baez is our shortstop no matter what too. But even him, you know, like he played second base last year. He's played yeah. third base in the past for the Cubs. Um, I, these guys are pretty fluid. Like they can play multiple They're positions. Ball players. Now, do you think the third base, backup third baseman, <clears throat> trading Paredes, opens the door back up for a Torkelson to play a little more third? than what it sounded like they were getting ready to do because it sounded like they were ready to just pull the plug on the third base experiment and make him the first baseman. They did the whole glove thing with, with Miguel Cabrera, all that kind of stuff. Now, that's the first one of the first things that came to my mind was, all right, well, the, then does that just mean Torkelson will play third when Candelario needs a day off? And then that's when Cabrera plays first or Scope moves the first and, like, I don't know. Like, do you, yeah, and then Willie Peralta it, it, or Willie Castro goes like, to second, and it, then it just felt like the Torkelson at third base was done, 
But then it crossed my mind when this trade happened. Maybe it's not. And I don't know if it's a good thing. I don't know if it's a bad thing. I, I don't know if it really even matters, but it's just something that came to mind. So Yeah, I, I think, again, it was a response to the injury for Riley Green. We wanted to stay competitive. It actually made our team better in the long run, even when Riley yeah. Green comes back. Oh, yeah. And and I'm excited Make about that. Make somebody expendable, too. Yeah, and, and I, um, you know, Paredes, as much as I really, really liked him, I don't think he's an amazing defensive third baseman. So it's not like it's it's not like it's a Matt Chapman over there and you're worried about you know uh Candelario's defense compared to Chapman's. No, this is it's not the same kind of player. Like he was he a good player? Yeah, but he's not going to make your franchise super great right now. Um I I just like the depth. I think we have a lot of different options. People can move all over the place. We have a we have a lot of starters on our bench right now from years past. Which is weird because we've had a lot of double A starters in our starters. Yeah. <laughs> we we've also got a lot of comments rolling in from a longtime listener and also a, a podcast hoster himself. Oh, the happiest podcast guy. Jarrett Fenema tuning in. Who heard how, of him? How did you know that? That was a good guess. <laughs> well, first uh he's he's got a He's got a lot of comments. What yeah, is he doing? Well, Jared, what are you drinking, man? Yeah, first of all, he his, own, his own beer. He wanted Happy since beer? since we were talking about the Rays and acquiring Meadows, he wanted to bring up what is it called, the AL East or the something. AL East and how great the AL yeah, East is. Yeah, something about like thoughts on one of the best moments ever in baseball when the Red Sox beat the Tigers in the playoffs and uh, is that a Tor- football game? Torrey Hunter flipped over the outfield wall for the home run he wanted our thoughts we can skip that one but he's yeah he david ortiz is one of the biggest pieces you know what i've ever seen was he was he on steroids at that point i'm sure he was yeah i think he but was they too. don't they don't like talking about that oh yeah yeah we don't he's talk a, about he's that a, one. he's a media guy now so let's just yeah sweep that under even though ride. he's actually been proven proven he tested, t- he tested positive. positive he's the he's has more positive <laughs> tests than barry bonds let's just leave it at that okay all right no what, good game though what yeah. do you call mario holding holding a candle what candle do you call Mario, Mario holding <laughs> a candle? Candle Mario, I don't Our know. Third baseman. I guess. I guess his uh, answer was Candelario. And finally, <laughs> he wants. He wants our debate. If you wear a, if you wear no undershirt when wearing a baseball jersey, you need to wear a silver or gold chain. Otherwise, you look like a goober. <laughs> He's going for the goober look. So oh, yeah. perfect. Thank you. Thanks, That's a very good that. compliment. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it, Jared. Always ready to. Man, these comments are such, they're so uh, good, yeah. right? Yeah, he's hyping us up for sure. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Jarrett. Thanks, Anyways, Jarrett. let's get into the listener, Jarrett. Comes the rotation. <laughs> let's get into the rotation here. Um, so Casey Mize, uh, Rodriguez, Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning, and Pineda seems like they're going to be the starting five for for when this this season starts, and until it, until it goes otherwise. And then you got you know the Willie Peraltas and Tyler Alexanders that can be the Long-term relievers, or come in for that that extra day if if they they need it. You hate Tyler Alexander. I don't hate Tyler. It I seems hated, like you hate Tyler. Ta- Alexander. I hated Tyler Alexander as a starter. Okay. I want him to be a long reliever. I th- I like him as a long reliever. He was a good spot starter for us last year. He had two good spot starts. Okay. I I kind of like him. I think I, he he's uh, one of those guys that I root for because he doesn't have the stuff to be a major leaguer to be a big leaguer, but he just he gets people out. Yeah, I like it. I don't hate him. I like Willie Peralta better personally. No, I think I think uh, Spencer Turnbull too. Uh, we were talking before the podcast started about where he fits in this, and and maybe maybe we could do some research on that too before we completely just you know write him off for the season because I think he's supposed to come back at some point. I just don't know when. Okay. 
and he was just signed today for two year uh, to avoid arbitration. Yeah, he which is nice to get that this, done. Yeah, yeah. Just today, actually, and uh, that was I, I like to see that because I like Turnbull. I hope he uh, is part of the long term plans for the. Well, what, I mean, he was the one with the the no hitter last year before the injury, which yep. was cool. Yep. I mean, he's one of the who, probably a completely different pitcher. He reminds me of like a Max Scherzer that when it's on, you know it's on. It's on early, and, and you know that he's going to have a nice long start, and he's, he's he's dialed in, if you will. I don't know the ins and outs of why that that's my thought, but like it just feels like he's got that that it factor when it's when it's all clicking when it goes bad. And you know what? A better example would probably be Matt Boyd, I guess. Like when he was on, it was. It was lights out. He he came close to a no hitter once. Well, Matt, he was two Matt, outs in the ninth against White. Yeah, Sox Matt Boyd's not an uncomfortable at bat, and I think Spencer Turnbull is an uncomfortable at bat at times. Okay. Like where people just don't really know what's coming. Uh, everything's coming out of the same, you know, the same keyhole. Keyhole. There you go. And and he when he's on, he's on is what you, I guess what you were going with. Um, but I I think his downfall was always like the fifth inning. If he could get through the fifth inning and into the sixth and, and start doing stuff, then it was a good outing. Third time through the lineup, that's when st- guys started jumping all over him and they'd start getting on base, and that's why his ERA was not in the twos. Like He was honestly a really great pitcher in the first four innings, and he was starting to figure that out, and then all injuries kind of happened. So let's let's talk a little bit about the younger guys. you still got Casey Mize, Tarek Skubal, Matt Manning. Um, it feels like this is time to release Casey Mize and – Tarek Skubal and let them Rele- release so, them. No, no, yeah, release, release them, them. See if we can get like, like them. get a <laughs> take it easy there, Avila. Compensation pick or something if, if they get picked up. No, but release them to the wild and let them kind of be the bulldogs if they, if they're if that's who they're going to be. And I don't know if it fits their personalities. I don't know all of that, but don't have the the inning count. Don't have the pitch count. You got to have a pitch. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Now Matt Manning, who came Don't go up in more with a plan for three innings because you're trying to limit, you know, their uh, long season exactly. potential. Now Matt Manning, on the other hand, he came, he he jumped in the rotation later on in the year. I think it was more mid season, maybe even later, the back half of the season that he started to get those starts. Are they still going? Is he is he the only one that you'd be like? You understand them having an inning count or, or or that kind of stuff, or like treat them a little special, or would you be okay with treating these other the other two? With those same kid gloves, if you will. No, I think all three of them should be let go. Yeah, but even Manning? Because he's Manning. been in the, the system longer than both Mize and... He has. He's come up more naturally and, and put in quite a few innings earlier on in his career than the other two, um, as far as like professional innings. Um, I think I think Manning, maybe you have to monitor how the season is going a little bit more. So if he is struggling, um, then, then you can start to say, you know, if he doesn't get out of the third or get out of the fourth or he he's, you know, or you monitor the number of like challenging innings cuz those are actually more stressful than yep. overall pitches in my opinion. Um but if you get go into those like stressful innings with Manny then I would I would start to say maybe skip some starts here and there, but I don't want on a game to game basis. I don't want to limit to 3 or 4 or 5 innings. I don't like that. Approach. I don't like that either. I don't, think like don't let him be a starter then. Yeah, exactly. Let him go six. Let him go seven if he's ready. If he's on. If he's effective still. Yeah. Um, and and then teach him how to get deep in the game. If you always have kick gloves on, you pull him out of the game early. Then you never know what he can do. You never let him get there. Yep. And, w- and one thing that I, I liked 
about the way A.J. Hinch handled more or less Casey Mize and Tarek School is he would go into a game and be like, yeah, they're going to get, this is last year, three or four innings, right? That's what he would say like prior to the game. Like That's what we're expecting. But their pitch counts low. Their stressful innings were low. No, we'll give them the fifth or the sixth. Yep. You know what I mean? Like He's okay with adjusting and not sticking to it, and he kind of runs his bullpen the same way, which we'll get into here in a minute. But the starting rotation is a great mix, and, and I don't want to say it's like 2016, and I know that's the easy comparison and stuff. Or sorry, 2006, not 2016. Um, but this this feels higher-end even than what those guys were supposed to be. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm really excited about what those three can do, and with when you combine them with with Rodriguez, Rodriguez is who key. Can take away that stress. He can be the the guy that's you know put it on my shoulders. Don't 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 put it on Casey Mize or Tarek Skubo when we go on a three game losing streak. Let me be the one that's supposed to stop the bleeding. Which is what a number one's supposed to do. Yep. They come back after the five, after is, the four five. Is he a number one, or is he just our number one for now? I I don't I don't actually care. Because no. I think Casey Mize could be our number one really yeah. soon. Yeah, I think. Because what could was be he? There. What was he with the Red Sox? He was like a four starter, I think, with the Red Sox, right? Uh, n- the last couple of years, he's been there two or three. Two or three. Yeah. Okay. Consistently. He's right. yeah. He's been one of the pitchers that has started and finished the season like yeah the okay. entire time in the rotation. And little side note, uh, Spencer Turnbull is expected to return at the beginning of 2023. Oh, okay. so he they, they did the basically. Year. Yeah, I think I think originally they said that there was a chance he'd come back like maybe like mid to late August. And have a chance at you know a, a, maybe a, a major league debut. But yeah, I don't think that was going to be. Part It'll be of interesting to see if assignment. they adjust if this team's in it. You know, like I don't want to jump the gun and say that they're going to be true contenders or anything like that. I, I don't. I think we're still a little ways from that, and everything has to basically be hitting for that to, to really happen. Um, but if they are, is that your trade deadline move? You know what I mean. So instead of selling. Uh, uh, asset to bring in, uh, like kind of make him be the um, uh, Anibal Sanchez for that one year where he was out most of the year, and instead of coming in and being a starter, be like, all right, we can give you a, a couple innings in, in key situations, yeah. and you're our best bullpen guy now because that's what you are. I mean that that'll be interesting to see if they kind of adjust their their uh, timeline, if you will, for um, for that type of guy in, in injury, but. Uh, anything more on on the rotation, or want to move on here? I, I I think with Mize, Eduardo Rodriguez, and Tarek Skubal, you have three solid starting pitchers there. Now, any one of them, if if any one of them emerges as a true number one, then I think our rotation looks really really good. If all three of them are somewhere in the high threes ERA and they're not like they don't feel like a number one yet, I still think they're going to be adequate. They're going to be good. It's a still a good trio, um, but I'm hoping out of one of those three that one just emerges as like an ace, the guy, the guy. We this, need somebody this, too this year. Yeah. We need one of them to turn into the guy. Uh, so let's jump real quick on the on the bullpen. We got Gregory Soto, who is uh, considered our our closer. He's um, our guy. Michael Fulmer's in there. Jose Cisnero, I'm assuming they're going to go. I, I'm assuming it's going to be Cisnero 8, Soto 9, typical, right? Obviously, depending on matchups and all that kind of stuff, but that's kind of what what we did most of the year last year, and it seems like that's what they're trying to set up to do until they're proven to not. But you have Michael Fulmer, who also has that bulldog mentality. Yeah. He can be the ninth inning guy. He can be the eighth inning guy. He can be the one out in the seventh. Like, 
And then you start really digging into Andrew Chafin, really underrated signing here. Oh, yeah. He he's just, a difference maker. He's, he's a difference maker. He's got the attitude that fits what, what this team needs to do. Um, coming out of the bullpen, fun. Uh, Kyle Funkhauser, a um, little bit of injuries. I think he's going to start uh, hurt, but what he did last year was important at times. Then you got, you got Joe stuff. Jimenez, too, or Jimenez. I know he's had his ups and ups and downs. He looks he good right now. He still has his stuff. He still has the stuff that people were excited about. It just needs to kind of come together and, and work out for him. Those, you know, five or six, if you will, I don't know how many I named, are – there's a lot of a lot of teams that would take that that group, if you will. Our, our bullpen is legit. Like this is, and that's huge to have. It, absolutely, especially with again going back to the young starting rotation. If they're in a pinch, we have enough guys to to get us through several rotations of bad outings. Yep. To cover those innings, and and we saw it last year. They were very effective last year, but they also covered a lot of innings. And and as our starting pitchers get better, that's only going to set up these guys to be more effective, and for AJ Hinch to have more options. In the late innings, and and what I what you were saying about Cisnero being an eighth inning guy, I think Chafin is an eighth inning guy. I think Michael Former is an eighth inning guy. I think Jimenez could be an eighth inning guy. I think yeah. Alex Lang has a good arm, good enough arm like to be a seventh Lang. inning guy. Yeah. Like I think a lot of these guys, Jason Foley, another young reliever who is going to add a lot of depth to this group, and I we're in a good spot with our bullpen. I think again, people will start to shine and like uh, turn into maybe their role yeah. more. Yep. And and I'm okay with the competitive atmosphere where guys can step up and make that be their role. And I'm and I what I love is when we're in the sixth inning and we can even have multiple guys to cover the sixth inning. We can have a guy to get to the seventh and then eighth and then a ninth. And it's like, wh- where did they stand a chance? Yeah. You know, like if we can't get through the six, we're we're not out of options. We yep. can, we can finish now, this game. When this team was bad last year, our bullpen was bad. A lot of these guys that we're going to rely on, they were bad. And but they were also very stressed because we had to shorten a lot of starts. Where we were pulling guys on in the fourth and fifth inning constantly, like for weeks on end, where it was just causing stress, extra stress on this on the on this bullpen that you don't want to have. Now, if our starters can go longer, our bullpen will stay healthier. And 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 another thing that's an underrated point about all of these guys that we've mentioned is they're not lefty righty specialists. That's that's a thing of the past. It feels like you need guys that can go out and get outs, and you need guys that are. That have starter stuff with the, you know, the extra bulldog mentality. That's like, this is my inning. I'm gonna get this inning, and I'm done. I'm all in right now, you know. And I feel like Fulmer kind of fits that mold, and where Gregory Soto might, I don't know, fit more of the closer mentality of this is my thing, you know. Like so- Soto's the epitome of just an uncomfortable at bat. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, like. As a hitter, don't know where it's going. as a hitter, would you want to face him? I wouldn't want to face any. No, he's personally. got so many. I, I wouldn't want to face Zach Short. He's, he's well, <laughs> he's got so many body parts just flying all over the place, and it's ninety nine, a hundred miles an hour. Like that's not yeah. comfortable at bat. And his numbers back it up. So okay. I, I don't know where you started with that, but yeah, I like so uncomfortable at bat is something that I need to keep a better eye on. It sounds like because you brought that up a couple I, times. I like yeah, and you like it, but I mean, baseball guy catcher. You get it, or hit or two. Like it's not like you only caught you hit too. Yeah. But uncomfortable at bats are are important, and even in this this level, 
is if you can make the best hitter uncomfortable, he's going to be an average hitter. Yeah. Yeah, and just enhance speed and arm speed and all that stuff. So when if you have a guy that's a little bit wild but effective, and then you also have, like, you can't even pick up on his hand speed or know the difference between off speed and fastball, and it's everything's jumping at you at really high yeah. speed, That that's just an opportunity for, for hitters to be in their own head and to have the game speed up on them. And, you know, the, the, the best hitters in the world can slow everything down. But even major league hitters don't slow everything down. There's there's a few of them who end up being Hall of Famers. All right. So I did want to set some season goals and, and tell me if I'm wrong or give me yours as well. Um, but for me, they're very, very simple. Truly contend for this division. I don't – just be relevant, I guess, is, is where I'm at. Um, it, it's not for me. It's not for the fans. But it's for A.J. Hinch to stay. That, that opt-out is looming to me. And and I know I'm I'm probably overthinking it because it seems like AJ Hinch really wants to be here, but it's absolutely scares the crap out of me. I want him to stay more than anything. I think he is the key piece. He is more important than Alavila. He is more important than the money that that Chris Illich can spend or won't spend or whatever you want to get into ownership. AJ Hinch is the key to this working, and they need to show him that they're willing to go in. I think they, they have. They spent the money. They've probably had him involved with a lot of the transactions that they made. This trade tells me for Austin Meadows is we're not willing to lose this in the first couple months like we did last year. We want to make sure that we have somebody that, like like people always say, you can't win the division in the first 30, 30, 45 games of a season, but you can sure as hell lose it. And that's what they're trying to protect themselves for is not losing this division just because the depth isn't as as there in our, in our, our outfielders, you know? Um, so for me, it is show that this organization's willing to go another level and show it to A.J. Hinch. That's who I care about. That's who I want to know is not going to opt out at the end of the year. Get him a new contract, sign him, get rid of the opt out, and solidify what this organization is going to be. And he is going to be the 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 face outside of the players. He is going to be the guy, and it, this is a great opportunity to do it. So I don't know. That that's my vision is just don't give AJ Hinch any <laughs> reason. reason to leave. Yeah. No, I I hear you. I think compete. Um, yeah, we we see with betting odds, it's difficult to go from barely under five hundred to a great team. Like more often than not, you're you stay at the barely barely over or under five hundred. Like it's difficult to become a really good team and win the majority of the time. It's easier yeah. to stay in the middle of the pack, right around five hundred. So, yeah. um, it the moves that it's going to take to get there is going to be very important. I think they're going to they're banking on these young guys developing as being the anchors of this team which is why they didn't sell the whole farm this yep. offseason so i appreciate that where we are but i agree with you stay stay balanced in your attack where where we want to invest right now we want to spend money right now um but then also let these young guys come up and be the face of the franchise yep be relevant that, that's where i'm at is they need Compete. to be relevant yeah he's a competitor right like AJ Hinch is the ultimate competitor. He's the guy that didn't care about numbers or, or was creative in his managerial style with relievers and everything else. Back in 2016-17, let him go through that again. Let him mm-hmm. get creative. Think about different ways to play defense. Like I, I don't care. Throw the whole 
give, give him full control and just say, hey, take it. Yeah. Like we've given you some a competitive team here. Are we the, a World Series contender? It'd be great. I don't expect it this year, but um, yeah, I agree. At least be building Stick around. That. Stick around. Yep. Um, so we'll get into some of the players. Uh, I want to start with breakout player. Um, I have one. Do you, do you guys have a, a breakout player that, that stands out to you? Outside of mine? Or? I, I didn't see what you have, but I do have a breakout player. Who's your breakout player? I'm a huge Tarek Skubal guy. Yeah? Yeah. I, I think being the, the big left-handed pitcher that he is, he has so much upside still that that is just untapped potential. And if he can really learn how to hone in, in his off speed, his fastball is already seems unhittable at times. And, and if he could just start being really consistent with his control and his angles of his off speed at the same keyhole from the from his fastball, I, he's going he's going to be a number one. Yeah, I think he could be a like if the, he realizes his potential, I think he could be better than Casey Mize. When you're a lanky lefty, you're basically given a head start. And it's, it's, but when you have the stuff that to go with it, you can nice become absolutely dominant. Very quickly, yes, and and that's where that's it's something to keep an eye on for sure. Yeah, um, excited for me. I, I actually went with Riley Green, and and I know the injury can be an, uh, an issue. He's going to be out six to eight weeks, and then probably three or four um, in the minors. I, I expect that. I hope it's 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 low, um, but I just think he's ready to explode on the scene of not only the Tigers in in the in Detroit. But just in this league, I think it he could be the guy that people are talking about. I really do. Um, he is our best do-it-all athlete. Um, and for everyone who fell in love with a guy like Badu last year who was like, oh, my gosh, this guy, he does it all. He's so fast and he hits the ball. Just wait till you see a truly elite prospect do the same stuff that Badu did but only better. People are going to fall in love with this guy so stinking fast. And... The reason why I, I picked him over uh, a Torkelson is because when things get tough for a Torkelson, he's going to it's going to get really tough, and it seems like he's kind of a one trick pony. That might not be fair, that's but that's not true. But it feels like it, right? It feels. <laughs> How dare you? But, but the perception is he's going to go out and hit forty bombs. Like that's what we're told. That's what we were told from the day one when he when we were picked him. That's what we have envisioned. Whether it's fair or not, I think it's unfair, but. The perception of him will be he's a one-trick pony. If he's not hitting home runs, he's not doing anything else. Where I feel like uh, Riley Green, when things get tough with the bat, he's going to do it on the defensive side, and it's measurable. It's not just a good first baseman. like You know what I mean? Like A good first baseman, you only notice when he's bad, right? Yeah. It's just about catching the ball and not making mistakes. I'm okay with your answer. I just don't like your explanation for for why. But you understand <laughs> the perception I that get it. Tigers fans, I, not necessarily baseball elite, but Tigers fans will have. That's kind of where where I'm going with And that's why I went with Riley Green. Got it. I like Riley John, Green. who wins? Me or Ryan? <laughs> he had something to he say until no he comment. said that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he said no comment. No, um, no I just – I mean, I put Akil Badu there. I know that last year was kind of his breakout because he started from nowhere and he made a name for himself. I think this is a big year for him, especially with Riley Green hurt. I think it gives him a little bit more of a leash because you're going to yeah. need a body out there. And Jarrett, who is Fred Flintstone's favorite MLB player? Yabba Dab Badu. <laughs> so that's why I shook my head. Uh, between you and Ryan, 
Man, I do like Tarek Skubal too. And I think it's it's a big piece to have in your uh, rotation when you got a left-handed arm coming over the top like that. But so basically from what I heard is John does not like Riley Green. I do love Riley Green. <laughs> no, I don't sorry. like broken foot like <laughs> Riley Green. I didn't like, like I, yeah, I didn't like bro- broken ankle myself either. So <laughs> yeah. like uh, there's a lot there's a lot of connection there. So uh I I mean, I was I mean, I was on that hype train too. It was another bat coming in. He's a true hitter. Like he's a true he's hitter. A ball player, yeah. And yeah. that's what we need and uh it would have been nice to see him flash his stuff this year. All right, real quick, uh rebound player. Ryan, do you have one? Oh, man. Uh, rebound player, I'm going to go with Candelario, and, and I know that he had a decent year last year. He, he had his ups and downs for sure, but um, with a lineup constructed the way it is right now, he's going to be in the middle somewhere. So four, five, six, I, I don't care, but he's going to have protection. He's going to be way more uh, or have way more of a potential impact on this team, and the RBIs could come, and, and he could actually end up being, if his power returns, he could be a 20-homer guy with with 100 RBIs. Like, if this offense really clicks, yeah. we could see multiple 100 RBI type of uh, production from the middle of the lineup. And uh, I, Candelario's in a prove-it year for me. Um, I think he will. I think he's a professional hitter. He doesn't get off balance too often. He can get beat inside because he's got a, a kind of a, a slow, uh, lazy swing at times. But he really shortened that up middle of the year last year, and I feel like he could continue that. And, and every year it's going to take a slump for him to figure something out. That That's my perception of him. Um, but I think he's. I think this is his year to, to really prove himself. Yeah. I went with actually uh, Willie Castro. And it, – it, I have a hard time with this one because I'm not sure he's going to get the the playing time it's going to take to be a, a, a rebound player. I feel like he's going to kind of be the last guy off the bench for the most part. But what he did two years ago when he hit 349, small, very small sample size, I get that, Yeah, to fall off and hit 220 like he did, um, I feel like he's in, – in the role that he's going to have, it can be very beneficial to a guy like this. And I'm I'm very interested to see the way it's going to work. Again, I don't know if he's going to get the playing time to be truly considered. What's going on here? Uh, uh, truly considered a, a, a <laughs> rebound player because I just it, it's just not there. It's not available for him. Um, but that's where I went, and I, I get the Candelario one though. Um, I, I think both of those could could happen. So uh, Dark Horse MVP. I'm going to go first with this one, and, and then you can jump in. But I'm going to go with Austin Meadows. I really think professional hitter. He's going to come in and be the power, be the guy. Um, to just it, it might not be the the prettiest. He's gonna strike out a lot. He, he, that's all there, but he's the 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 mix between veteran and the young guy, if you will. He's not a scope who, who he's probably scope's probably not as old as I have in my head. He's, he's but, really not, yeah. But like Austin Meadows kind of fits that gap of the the young guys with a lot of pressure and the the veteran who. You know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Kind of falls right in that he's a tweener when it comes to that kind of stuff. So, I'm I'm interested to see what he's going to do, and I think he can be kind of really important to this this lineup. Well, well baseball is such a, a head game, right? So, like, if you have the confidence, if you think of yourself as the guy, that can go a long way. And I think bringing him in this organization where Parker Meadows is one of the, one of the prospects mm-hmm. in the minors, yeah, his brother, yeah, I, his brother. I think it makes a difference. I, I really do. I think it makes him. It could make him uh, uh, expect himself. Like it could, it could play a mind game in his own brain to say, like, "Hey, 
you're the guy act like it like you're gonna you're the example for your little brother and and everything else like they trade for me it feels good to be wanted and you know yeah. everything that comes yep. with that i agree i think that's a really good dark horse mvp mine mine is going to be torkelson yeah i just i feel like i even as a one-trick pony he's just <laughs> he's just not he's just not a one-trick pony he, this guy's a this guy's a really good hitter and and when he gets hot he will show people what he's capable of. Um, I'm not expecting him. I, I'm not going to say like he's going to just you know be in the MVP race through yeah. the end of May or anything like that. But you know, last year in the minors, he started off slow, and then what happened when, came, when June came around? He was killing the he ball. He mashed in June and July. It was insane. He went from you know high A ball with the Whitecaps to Triple A, mm-hmm. and it was just nonstop hitting from there. So. The dude can hit, and and he has one of the highest hit grades. If you go back to when he was drafted, he has one of the highest hit grades they've ever given out. I think it was an eighty grade for drafting in baseball. It's a lot. Um, yeah. So I'm just, if everything clicks with him, if he can stay on off speed, if he believes in his in his hand speed and everything, and and to hit the high balls and everything, he could just take off. He could he could really be a true rookie of the year candidate that blows everybody else out of the water. John, did you have anything? Just a couple more comments coming in. Uh, Jared, it, if it's another bad joke from Jarrett, <laughs> I think we should just cut it off, right? <laughs> Jarrett wants to know what type of land does Austin Meadows prefer? Question mark. Mountains. Uh, yep. <laughs> a, a meadow. Um, <laughs> all right. I'm, I'm going to butcher this. I'm really sorry, Jackie. You think, wait, before we get into that, you think Jarrett would like to have Eduardo Rodriguez on the on the Red Sox right now I'm after sure, Chris Sale yeah. goes down? I'm sure he just sold his jersey on eBay or something. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. All right, what, what was Jackie? Jackie, Jackie N. This was a tough one last week. I think it was because we were drinking those. Yeah, what was Corn, Corner Man. So it's easy. Corners. So it's easy it's this easy week, right? Um, No, not the beers I had on the boat earlier. Ned's, Needs, Nedzelski, Nedzelski, Nedzelski. Nedzelski. Sounds I'm sorry, right. I'm sorry, Jackie. Uh, just a quick question for us. Are the Tigers going to get canceled on Friday because they're talking 87% chance of snow and rain? I will be so mad. So I, I take a half day every time that we <laughs> – every Tigers opening day, home opener. Oh, my gosh. So I have a half day on Friday. We're we're set to go to Coopersville Brewing Company. Oh, nice. So we freaking better not get rained Man, if I, I would be so furious if we get rained out. I did not even look at the weather – I I didn't know I that didn't, was an option. I didn't think. Yeah, I'm stressed now. If I'm I, really if, stressed about that now. If I don't, <laughs> Thanks, if I don't add, add, end up in Niagara Falls, I'll be at Cooper's over. You, you might not. You might not be going. It's, to it's Niagara. a little bit up in the air right now. Yeah, yeah weather permitting. Something like that. <laughs> weather permitting. <laughs> Opening day in Niagara Falls. You know. All right, Ryan. Start us off with under the radar player. Will I go? Check on the kids. Okay. <laughs> go ahead and check on them. Uh, my under-the-radar player is Robbie Grossman, outfielder. Um, last year he was really, I feel like he was the most dependable hitter within the lineup on a regular basis. He he is the walk king of this lineup, so he's going to be on base. And with the production, the added production that we have signed with Javi Baez, with Austin Meadows, with you know Scope being down on the lineup, that'll just open up the opportunity for Rob, Robbie Grossman to – score just be on base and make a difference and score more often than he has previously but not only that his power really came through last year and i i people are just not even they're forgetting his name in this lineup and i think he is way more of an impact player and way more of a a professional impact professional hitter 
um, who will do the little things like show the rest of the lineup what the pitcher is offering because you know he saw nine and ten pitches three at bats in a row. Long term, over the course of a season, that makes a really, really big difference. And not only the lineup, but also getting rid of the starting pitcher early on in the game and everything else that you know professional hitters are really good at. Robbie Grossman has that kind of a uh, a feel to him. Um, he he's he's going to be in the lineup every single day. He's consistent. I think uh, watch out. He's definitely under the radar in my in my mind. That was one thing too from last year. I noticed is usually you have guys that are all like power first right just trying to hit bombs and aren't trying to foul off pitches waiting for their pitch they're too impatient at the plate yeah where he's got that combination of both where like you said he's he's always in a a, you know a seven eight nine pitch at bat and then he still has the potential to burn you if you throw the wrong pitch to him yeah and like you said that that takes a toll on the starting pitchers as the season goes on and uh, I think, especially with the way Major League Baseball is nowadays, they're trying to watch the number of pitches guys are throwing, you know, the pitch count and everything else. Um, I guess in the pitch clock, too. Like, the flow of the game, he can disrupt that in more than one way. Yeah, uh, I, I think Robbie Grossman's a good one. Robbie Grossman. Um, I actually went with Tucker Barnhart. Uh, for the reasons I kind of already brought up, I think he's just an underrated – not really underrated, but – what he's going to do is not going to be measurable. The The addition to him is such a massive upgrade from what we were dealing with when it comes to uh, – I mean, they, if you look at the the catchers at the starting of the year last year, who, who, I can't even remember their names because two, the two guys were released or Gr- gotten rid of before. Griner, Grayson Griner. I think Griner was number two, but there was a – man, a guy that we – Well, Jake Rogers in there. He ended up coming up and and, yeah. and, did, and performed well before the injury, but there was the, the starting catcher. I can't think of his name. It was – he was the exact opposite of what Barnhart is. Terrible rec- receiver, not really even a good hitter. Like, it, it was just bad. I, oh, no, man. I, I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Yeah. It, before maybe, Eric Haas and all that, too. Yeah, it was before Eric Haas exploded on the scene, all that stuff. I mean – John, can you pull up who, who the starting catcher was for the Tigers last year? Well, well, well we've, but I, I don't know. I, I like what Tucker Barnhart brings. I, I think that was the first move of being like, hey, we're we're not we're going to upgrade. We're going to upgrade all of our positions basically, and upgrading at catcher with the Jake Rogers injury um, was was important. And they 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 went to it before the season even ended. I feel like, and and I, I love that one. Um, well, well, John looks up who the catcher was because I, I, I the. It's going to bother me. Well, the numbers won't tell the story all the way, and that's that's a good under-the-radar pick because a guy that will have a, a big impact on the team, but you might not necessarily see yep. it in, in a batting average or home runs or RBIs. Eric Haas, I, I fully expect to be an offensive weapon on this team. Yeah, yep. But Barnhart might be the, the, the base. He might be the core. He might be, like, the foundation of the catching group. Mm-hmm. Um, any prospects that, that you want to – Keep a closer eye on. I, th- I think they're the bigger names are out there, obviously, um, that we're, we're all interested with the Dylan Dinglers of the world. And I, I don't even want to consider our, our other guys' prospects. Torkson's no longer a prospect. He's on the team. Riley Green is no longer yeah. a prospect. He is a Detroit Tiger. That's the way I want him. I'm That's fun. Setting it in stone. What? Austin Romine? He oh. was he was on there, but there was also one more. I got Romine. I have Haas. I have Grayson Griner. 
Jake Rogers. Man. Jake Jake Rogers. That's, that's all it's showing. You might be for... thinking of two years ago, Salta Lamakia. Not Salta. That's the name that keeps coming to mind, but I know it wasn't him. Okay. I, right. No, I'm telling you, we signed somebody. It was like three years ago, maybe four years ago. Oh man, it's gonna bother the crap out of me. Do you have like this, the 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 opening day roster from 2021? Maybe t- type in that. I, I feel like he was the opening day catcher. <laughs> I, um, I feel like it was uh, Romine, but. No, it wasn't. No, okay. no. Right. Romine's a better You're catcher than right. the person I'm thinking of, because there was also the outfielder that Don Kelly. <laughs> yeah, Don Kelly nailed it. <laughs> Got it. Anyway, all right. Prospects under the radar. Prospects, top prospect. What, anybody that you're keeping a close eye on that could even contribute to this season. That's, that's kind of where I wanted to focus it, on. Wil- Wilson Ramos. Oh, Wilson Ramos. yeah. He Thank led. You. He was leading the. He was leading MLB in home runs for like catchers, three right? Three games into the season, oh, he yeah, had like that's five or six. Right, yeah. Slug- slugging percentage too. I think he mixed in like a couple doubles too. It was just like <laughs> through the roof. Yeah, and he was awful, and he got released. I think. I remember. Yeah, he did. I remember on this podcast when we were just like blowing up about him and Badu, <laughs> and I was trying to just keep everybody like, uh, just hold on, he'll come back to Thank life. You. Oh, uh, that was gonna bother me. I'm so glad we got that figured <laughs> out. Um. Okay, back to the prospects, right? Yeah. Top prospects, yep. um, not counting the obvious ones that we yeah, all know yep, about. Yeah. So I think Ryan Creedler is, or Creedler, Creedler. I, I hear Creedler on, on the radio. Do I, you I, hear Creedler? Yeah, okay. I hear Creedler. Yep. I've always said Creedler, but I've heard the same thing. So Creedler is a, is a unique prospect. He, so he's a, he's listed as a shortstop. He's played shortstop all through the minors, but he's six foot four. 208 pounds. He's he's a That's big more dude. of a third base body, it right? Definitely could be, yeah. But he's not a typical. He doesn't have the. He's a good hitter, average wise, and he gets on base. But he doesn't have a ton of power. Okay. So interesting prospect. If he starts getting more mass to him and he starts learning how to hit the ball up instead of on a line, uh, he could really benefit from that, and he might turn into a, a really good big league hitter. Still, still yet to be seen. So he's an interesting guy. He could definitely fill a role in case of an injury or, or something. Would he fill lines. the role of an Isak Paredes? I, I think he's pretty similar, and he might have taken the pressure off of getting rid of Paredes to okay. have, a, have a guy like this in the background. Uh, and then I see I see Joey Wentz and Alex Vallejo. I'm thinking more Joey Wentz for a guy that really could have made this roster if – his innings were were good enough from last year. So he went. He was coming off of Tommy John two years ago, didn't pitch at all in twenty twenty, and then came back late last year. Right, not late, mid, mid, and had, and had COVID stuff going on too yeah, yep. during the year. Um, but he was part of a uh, trade that 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 would be. What trade was that? Uh, we got him with for the um from the Braves for Shane Green. Okay. Yep. And and he came in and he was dominant for a double double A team at the time when he came in for uh, after the trade. And then last year, yeah, there's a lot of you know coming back from injury and and COVID related stuff and everything else. But he looked impressive enough in the spring where he I think carved out a role and and he got the attention of the big league club. And now it's a matter of uh, maybe limiting his innings early in the year so that he can make an impact late if needed. Okay. So. I, I, I like Joey Wentz. Uh, that, that was a very interesting one to me. And Alex Fayedo is interesting only because he has something that made him an elite prospect at one point. I think he was. I think he made. I think he was in Baseball America top fifty at one point, right? Yeah. When we traded for him, uh, when we got him, part of the the trade. Alex Fayedo. We drafted him first round draft pick out of Florida. Gotcha. Who am I thinking of? Um, <laughs> I don't <Yeah>. know. <laughs> it's a good question. All right, doesn't matter. But. 
Alex Fajardo, it's just injury after injury. It never seems to be falling into place. He's 26 years old. It feels like it's a last-ditch effort, and he might be the one that if something hits the fan, he might be get that call up and see if he can strike gold, right? See if it just needed to get to the majors for it to finally click, because that happens sometimes. Oh, yeah. Kind of with, with, I mean, you go back to Matt Manning. He wasn't having a good year at AAA, and they called him up, and then he, he kind of found his, his thing with, with the majors, and they didn't send him back down. Can that happen with Alex Fanto? Probably not. I feel like it's done, but you got to take a chance at some point. That's where that's one guy that I think is interesting because at some point this year I feel like he's going to be a tiger. He's he's and a, it's just because he has to be. He's a swing and miss guy. He he's always gotten a lot of strikeouts, a lot of swing and miss. Sometimes that comes with walks too, but he was part of that double A team that included uh Matt Manning, Casey Mize, uh even even Joey Wentz yeah. and, and Alex Fajardo. They were like they were untouchable during down the stretch for that team and it was it was fun to watch. Uh, he was a, a huge part of that at the time, and injuries have kind of gotten in the way. But I agree with you. I think he, if he finds himself in a role on a big league cl- club, I think he could stick around. Like he's one of those types of talents that could just flourish in the moment and take advantage of every opportunity. Yeah, he just needs to find the opportunity to do it, and hopefully he doesn't. I mean, honestly, with the depth that we have, it would be great if he doesn't even get a sniff. But I'll take a fifth at starter. At twenty-six, we need to find something out of this guy at, at some point. Um, one that stood out to me was Cody Clemens, mainly because of the Paredes trade. Him and Kreidler stood out to me with that because, look, Cody Clemens isn't going to be a, 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 a an elite prospect by any means. I think he's, what, 12 or 15, like somewhere in that range for our current prospect pool. It's not going to be an elite prospect, but will he be the one to get that opportunity to become a utility guy quicker than maybe he should just because of this this open spot? With with Paredes, that that was a name that came to my mind. He's got a lot of tools. He he can hit the ball really far when he connects. He okay. can he can he's a, a good runner. He plays good defense. He's got a lot of he checks a lot of boxes. He just okay. hasn't produced the way we want him to produce. And some of these guys can figure it out. Baseball is just I mean that's it's classic for guys figuring it out and becoming a high production type of player. So Clemens has all the ability in the world to be a. a Major league infielder, a starter. All right. So those are the all the names. John, did you have anybody that stood out to you? Oh, uh, just one big name. Uh, we got a question from our favorite commenter of all time. Shouldn't he be podcasting tonight, Jared? Why are you <laughs> podcasting tonight? He's, he's canceled. He's probably doing the warm up or something. <laughs> it's rained out, just like opening day. Um, o- out. It's not going to be over under. This one's for you too. Over under fifteen home runs for Miggy this year. Under. I would take the under, yeah. There you go, Jarrett. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Yeah, on your podcast. All right, what I wanted to do is ask you guys, how many wins do you expect for the Tigers to have this year? That's a tough one. They had 77 last year, correct? Yeah. I got my number. What is it? 85. 85? I would consider 85 a successful season. I I think I maybe expect 82 to 85 in that range. I'll round up in honor of Calvin Johnson, 81. I was going to say right around 80. Yeah, I'll take the mm-hmm. over on the on the win total. I was going to say 89. Ooh. 89. Wow. Yeah, I think it's well, going mean, to click. Yeah, man. I really Especially do. If they're going to compete for the, the the division, yeah. I think this. Need I 89 feel wins. like this team is ready. 
and I'm ready to get let down. That's where this is honestly the Tigers are the first team in how many years that we're going to go into a season and being like whether they're high expectations or low expectations, like we have legitimate expectations some, for this team. Yeah. <laughs> and we will be disappointed if they go on a five game losing streak. We will be disappointed if they lose ten of fifteen. Yeah. Like that kind of stuff will matter to this team and it will matter to us. And I am so excited to be mad that my team isn't doing good. Well, because I haven't like <laughs> I I don't know the last time I've been that way. I mean that, you're Lions, so right, obviously, yeah. but like this is legitimate. They've they've done. They had an off season. Credit to Alavila. I know I I roll him through the mud when I <laughs> because he drives me nuts. Some of the moves he makes, and I'm still going to question some of them. But what this organization did in this off season, and I think the Austin Meadows trade was just the. It's not a career sign. It's not a. It's not a massive splash, but it. Told it's a us what signal. It's it, exact. That's a great way to right? oh, I like that. Yeah, there you go. I really <laughs> like that. It is a signal of what they want. And I am completely bought in now. I am. It might not come together this year. It might take another year, but I'm ready yeah, you're to right. be disappointed. If they go on a losing streak, we're all gonna say you're a better team than this. Yeah. And, and we haven't said that in years. Yeah. And it's not going to – yeah, I don't know. I'm just, that's where I'm at, man. Jarrett, I'm, I'm pumped. Jarrett said 80 wins for Detroit, and Kerry said 88. 88? There's, right. there's, some, there's the difference in optimism. I think um, the the betting line in Vegas right now is something like 77 and a half or something, yeah, right? I, I, I talked, yeah, I brought that up early. What was it? I don't think you did. Yeah, I did. Yeah, but it's it's low. <laughs> it's lower than than Detroit expectations. It's lower than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, I remember that. But I think it's gone up as well since um they they since traded. the trade. Yeah, I so mean, the over under is at seventy eight and a half. I was one off. There you go. Jarrett wants to know if Ty Madden is related to John Madden, if Joey Wentz is related to, related to Carson Wentz, and if Cody Clemens is related to Roger. Yes, Twitter, YouTube, and Chris Sale still injured. He probably thinks uh, Fido is related to Fido, <laughs> to the cat or whatever. So the big question is, who got the better shortstop, Red Sox or the Tigers? Who do the Red Sox? To- Story? Trevor Story. I think Story will actually hit the ball pretty well in that ballpark. Yeah, I mean, like, everybody I looks like good Trevor's in Fenway. but yeah. I like Trevor Story. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see if he, uh, if I don't know, getting out of Coors is going to affect him at all. Hey, we're both, we're all, both the Red Sox and the Tigers are technically the third best team in their division. Right there, you go. Actually, Red Sox might be fourth. Fourth behind Rays, Yankees, Toronto, Toronto. Toronto yeah, they they probably are fourth. Yeah, but at least you're ahead of Baltimore. That's yeah, cool. Good job though. Yeah, yeah. Good, good, good try. <laughs> <laughs> we got we got we got to call it. Out Let's move again. on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is not where a Red are we Sox right segment. All right, I, I do want to move. I, I want to move through this as quick as we can because we did go long on the Tigers. Rightfully so. It's the preseason. I mean, it's. Season preview. That's what we got to do. I I can go through this fast. I yeah. promise. And then I'll everybody. probably ask questions that slow everything down. Oh, you will. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, all right. What's so, his hand size? So last week we went through uh, hey, the top five <laughs> wide receivers and the top five quarterbacks in this uh, 2022 NFL draft. This week we're going to move over to the defense side of the ball. And we're going to start with our defensive ends slash edge rushers. I know some people call them linebackers. Some people call them defensive ends i don't really give a crap 
let's just talk about the five best ones in this draft. Yeah, I'm. I'm John, be ready. We got the stream stuff. Do you do you want me to talk about the the just missed the top five or no? Let's do that at the end if we have time. honorable mentions. Yeah, okay. real quick at the end. But let's go through the top five first. All right. So number five, defensive ends. I have David Ajabo. That's not David. Did I? Are we on the tackles? No. This yeah, is Perion. Perion Winfrey. That's tackle. DN. Or that's DT. You had him at number five yesterday, didn't you? That's for that's for a tackle. Yeah, DT. Do you want did did this get messed did I, up? Did I do it wrong? Oh, it's just the order on this on the stream deck. Hold on, we can get there though. We're on DTs, right? You said DT. No, we're on DE. Defensive end. Run ends. It's okay. Oh, so it's mislabeled. <laughs> is it? You got your DE as. It DT. didn't switch again though. I think I screwed everything <laughs> up. Oh. Let's let's try. Oh. Oh, I really screwed this up. <laughs> DT five. I can do D- D- DTs. Try Ryan's. Let's do DTs. <laughs> Let's do DT. DT five. Yeah. Let's do it. All right. DT four. Who's your DT four? Yeah, DT Travis four. Jones. DT five. All right, DT five. <laughs> um. Perion Winfrey. All right, do, do we want to just start over so you get a good clean cut in there? No, we're good. No? Does he play uh, DT and DN? Let's figure that out. I don't real know part. what I did wrong. All right, there. let's I'm let's nervous. start off let's start off with the defensive tackles. We'll do I'll give the top 5 for that, right? All right, yeah. All right, number 5. Number 5 I've got Perion Winfrey, defensive tackle out of Oklahoma. Um he's an undersized tackle for sure. But I think the pass rush ability or the the explosiveness out of that position is important enough to at least experiment with. And I think um, his senior bowl showing is also good enough to warrant this number five. I really I when we're going through the defensive tackles, I think one through four are are there's a big gap between number one or between number four and number five in my in my rankings. I went through maybe five or six other tackles. Um, and Perrion Winfrey, I think, just has the higher upside overall as a pass rusher, which is the reason he got there. Should we do number four? Tackle number four, I've got Travis Jones, um, another guy, a high riser throughout the senior bowl process. He absolutely dominated uh, guards and centers during that and, and during the one-on-ones. Like Nobody could contain this guy. He is big. He's strong. He's got big hands. Uh, he's surprising, surprisingly athletic. He moves fast. He's got that quick twitch ability. But when I look, watch his film, he he does not get moved off his spot no matter what. He is a run stuffer, absolutely. I don't think he has high upside in the pass rush ability. Um, he's not going to give you the lateral quickness or anything like that, but his explosiveness as far as like winning the line of scrimmage is – Pretty elite, I would say, according to you know uh, all the other tackles out there. I think he is definitely your more run first type of tackle rather than the pass rusher, um, with some maybe higher end upside. He his comp in my mind is actually last year. It's it's uh, Ali McNeil from okay. from the Lions, a guy that's not going to you know give you a ton of sacks at the end of the year, but does his job, does it well, and is an asset to your team. Nice. Who, who do you got at number three? Number three, this one, Logan Hall, um, out of Houston. D- do you? 
are we are we just messing this up or what? DT number three. You're you're off. Okay. Well, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to talk about George Carlos? No, nope. talk or DT number three. <laughs> DT number John three. I'll get it. All right. I've got Logan Hall. Logan Hall out of Houston. He th- this is your pass rusher. And I and I really I think out of the, the tackle position group, we always want to go back to Aaron Donald and say, like, oh, what who's the next Aaron Donald? But yet he's too big, he's too strong, he's too athletic, he's too unique, I guess, to, to compare to other people. But in that comparison, there is some legitimate upside with I would say Logan Hall if he plays in the middle. Now he also has the ability to jump outside as a defensive end. I just don't think that's where his value comes into play. I think he's extremely explosive and can get to the quarterback um, from the tackle position. And that inside pressure, we just see how valuable. I think Aaron Donald has really shown the world how valuable that is in football. If you can get inside pressure at the same time as outside pressure around the outside, I mean, that's just completely disruptive um, You know, as a quarterback. Where, where are you going to run to if you can't go inside or outside? Um, I think Logan Hall, the reason some people probably have Travis Jones ahead of him, but I just think, again, the pass rush is just too explosive, too uh, too much potential there to move him any farther than three. All right, so number two. Uh, number two, I think it's obvious between the two Georgia guys, right? We've got uh, Devontae Wyatt and Jordan Davis left. Both of them showed out of the combine. This This was really hard for me. Um, trying to decide between the, the two of them, I am going number two with Jordan Davis. Is that mainly because of the f- just not an every down guy? Exactly. Yeah. Yes, and even though he has incredible athletic ability, and I mean, when we go through the the combine stats here, he jumped a foot farther in the broad jump, one foot farther than everybody, every other defensive tackle in this group. Holy smokes! As the biggest. Dude, out there, he's like a, he's a massive human. Being. He is an extremely. I mean, he's an insane athlete. Yes, um, but I don't see that, and it might just be the double teams. And I might be wrong about this because he impacts the game maybe in a different way than maybe that I'm not picking up. But his impact to the game was not the pass rush ability and the agile kind of movements to get to the quarterback. It was. Outmuscle your guy, move physically, move them out of the way, and then eventually go get it, the quarterback or or the running back whenever the play is breaking down. Um, but I, I mean, the the stats on this guy are insane. I don't know if you want me to get into the combine at all. Well, I mean, basically, it it comes down to just the fact that you and, and I'm going to look at it as a Lions fan. You don't draft a a non-every-down guy that high, and that's where you would rank the the other guy a little bit higher, right, is mainly just because it, it what he does is so unique, it just doesn't fit the every-down. It doesn't fit against, let's say, a pass-happy team necessarily more of a run. Like, And I could be wrong on that completely, but like that's where, where I'm at. It's like he's just... I don't know. He's he's it, giant. He's giant, but you don't see he was he, in, you saw him in critical situations against Alabama the first time at least yep. get winded, right? He was sitting yeah. there on his knees being, you know, just breathing heavy and trying to catch his breath. And and 
all all of his season up until that point was he was a first and second down guy. Yep. And he come off the field in third down situations. And it's probably more or less just like a, you already know his flaw, right? You already know what the issue could be, rather than wonder what it will be. Yeah, but he, he is already, six six. Yeah. He's three hundred forty one pounds. He's got giant hands, giant arms. He ran a four seven eight forty yard dash, which is uh, basically Aiden Hutchinson. Yeah. He had a thirty two inch vertical jump. <laughs> and again, he jumped a foot farther than every other tackle in insane. at the combine. I mean, his numbers, his measurables are off the charts. I had a really hard time not putting him as number one just because of I, I don't even know yeah. what he could turn into at the next level. I really don't. It's kind of just a one A one B at this point, right? Yeah, and so depending on what your defense fits, what, what your defense exactly a hundred percent. And then the next guy would be number, number one, one. Yep, Devonte Wyatt. Devonte Wyatt. Okay, and. And he might be a smaller human being. He is six foot three, three hundred and four pounds. Um, you know, not as big a hands, not as long arms or anything like that. But he ran an equivalent forty yard dash. He ran a four seven seven as opposed to uh, Jordan Davis's four seven eight. Um, not as high of a vertical, not as far as a of, as a broad jump, but as compared to other tackles, also just an incredible athlete who. On tape, what I saw, and this is the difference, I guess. If I'm going to differentiate the two players, I saw Devontae Wyatt have an ability to sneak around his guy in front of him. Because he, he is a smaller frame. A smaller frame, yes. Yeah. Yes. And and he has a, but he has like a special bend ability. I Like, if his legs stay in one spot, I saw him duck from his upper half and get around those blocks. So get a little more of a natural pass rushing body and, and athleticism where like, obviously Jordan Davis, his athleticism was, was on there with the numbers and stuff, but it's a different type of athleticism. It's more agile athleticism yeah. rather than just, yeah, I can jump and do all of the athletic things with my massive human body, but like an agile player, it does have a different role. And the counter to this would be that Jordan Davis made Devontae Wyatt so good because he never saw a double. And I get that. I completely yeah. agree with your argument there. I just go back to what makes Aaron Donald special. It's his ability to get around blockers and make a difference in the passing game. He is mm-hmm. the ultimate inside pass rush, which which changed the game of football. Now everybody's looking for this. Yeah. And I think Devontae Wyatt has that upside. I think Jordan Davis has that impact as well, but but not to the same level that Wyatt could potentially have. Nice. Um, getting into DEs, John. I'm sorry, I've screwed this whole thing up. My bad. Are we? Are we at all? Hey, that's what this mouse is for, baby. I yeah. just got to click it a few times. We'll get it figured <laughs> just out. A couple clicks, we're good to go. Yeah. All, right, so all this fancy new technology. Let's just go back to that double click mouse. <laughs> we'll be all good. Also, I have no, I have no other tackles to even bring <laughs> up. At this point, there's no reason, yeah. right? Well, like, my my show sheet said DN rankings, D tackles. So you went right to D tackles, and I'm pressing D tackles, and it's pulling up DNs. So <laughs> my bad. We'll figure it out, but we're we're working on it. I pulled it off like a true amateur. Like I just went silent for a yeah. little while. We're just like, all right. Hey, what are we going to do? Do we want to stop? My, if this was my full-time income, you know what? I'd be doing <laughs> 9 to 5 every day of the week. <laughs> Not yeah, well, so you well. wouldn't be going to 5 on your days without you want to go fishing early or stuff. But anyways. DEs. Right. Top 5 DEs. And I think this one's even more important because the Lions are, are, are talked to get <laughs> DEs. Yeah. Everybody's telling us we need DEs. I don't necessarily buy that. I but do. But let's get into it. Yeah. Let's start off with my number 5 
defensive end slash edge, I've got David Ajabo. Um, this this is including his injury. Is it? Would he be higher if it wasn't for the injury? He would be on my list. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Yep. And and so when I look at the tape, I just see a special ability to win around the outside and then counter on the inside when needed. He brings the spin move. He brings inside leverage. He brings um, some strength ability that I think is underrated that people are not looking at. I think his upper body is strong enough and his hands are good enough to get really good leverage. Maybe his bo- uh, his lower body is not you know so bulky like you would want to see. His Achilles is definitely not strong enough. His Achilles tore. Is his Achilles heel? Yeah, it's his <laughs> Achilles heel. Um, I'm I'm really really hoping. I'm I'm basically setting this list with him on it, acknowledging the injury. He he dropped down my list a little bit. But I don't want it to take away from. I, I think the I'm prospect expecting that he is. I'm expecting a recovery. All right. Yeah. So could it destroy his potential in the NFL? Absolutely, 100. percent I don't because he relies on that yeah. explosiveness. Yeah. He really does. But but let's not let's not forget that he ran a four five five forty yard dash. Let's not forget that he has a 35 inch vertical, 122 inch broad jump, and and quick in his 20 yard shuttle. What do you think leagues think of of, of this type of thing? The injury and like, do is this a massive concern to to them, or do they look at it as we can get a steal for this guy? I it depends on the tear. I think, and they're going to do their research. They're going to talk to the doctors, surgeons. They're going to ask about the nature of the injury and if it's a partial tear versus full tear, and how does the full tear look? Was it you know a tricky surgery and everything else? Yeah. they're going to look into that. I think people expect prospects to to bounce back from this stuff especially being so young um but this is this is one of the worst ones this takes away explosiveness yeah so i don't know i'm not it's the sure new, it's the new acl in this this world is, it is, is the yeah. achilles you know uh, all right number four number four i have trayvon walker wow okay yeah. so a lot of people are, are considering him potentially be the number one some people are saying Number two, like I mean, that's kind of where where we're seeing him get get graded. Why why do you have him at number four? And then and I'm sorry if it's I just set it up as like a downside. It might not even be downside. It's just well, how deep this position is. Maybe he has incredible athletic ability that he, that was on full display during the the combine. But I think maybe to maybe maybe a little bit more than it should have been uh, hyped up his his combine. Okay, so. The production on the field is, I think, last year was like four and a half sacks. Yeah, it's not it's not a ton. The production's not there, but they also didn't ask him to do too much. They asked him to set the edge um, and, and be the strong guy to just engage with the offensive lineman and then work from there. I don't, I don't think you can put a guy on a football field who has instincts to go get the quarterback and tell him not to. <laughs> uh, yes, exactly. I think I think they used his strengths at Georgia according to what he's capable of and there's some um, untapped potential there's definitely some upside there that's not realized at this point we've seen evidence of that in years past when you know the the measurables translates to production yeah but i i don't see this as so he ran a 45140 yard dash compared to Jabo's 455 okay you know and and there's other guys like Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State ran 45 two or three or something like that. It's not unheard of for these defensive ends to be such amazing athletes at the running of four or five forty. It's just it's 
it's not unheard of. Is, is, People do it these days. Do you think... So basically, it, it comes down to... Is he like the Rashawn Gary of this draft? Where he has all of the upside, the measurables are there, but the production wasn't. And was it because of the role he was playing? Or is it because that's just... He's not as explosive to to go get those stats and, and go get the quarterback the way that Gary didn't. You know what I mean? And I know Michigan fans, the way we think, like we're obviously that's who we think of, different position too, right? Like he was Gary's more interior, or is it or no, is that a good comparison? No, it's a it's my perfect comparison. Yeah. Absolutely. It's exactly who it, it like all the upside the, in the world, a high end recruit. But the red flag of the product lack of production is is what is making you feel like it might not be there. Yes, and and then you talk to the Packers fans, and they love Rashawn Gary. Mm-hmm. Well, that didn't translate immediately, and and he, it's still not elite. It's not a fifteen sack guy. It's not a sixteen yeah. sack guy, but he's solid. And so we see there's value in Trayvon Walker. I'm not saying there's none. Yeah, yeah. Um, but and and there's definitely he doesn't naturally go get the quarterback. He's not an edge guy that has amazing bend and ability to get around a block, and that's where. I just I cannot rank him any higher than this. I think some of these other guys are elite athletes who just have a natural instinct to keep the motor moving forward and get to the quarterback. So let's get into the next guy here, number three. Number three, George Karloftis. He was a high end Purdue? prospect and big name out of Purdue. Yeah, um, going into the combine, I would say right after the season ended, and his stock has been falling ever since. Okay. At this point, I could see him going in the late first round um, based on mock drafts that I've seen and, and just, you know, like I guess the hype around him. And Trayvon Walker is the complete counter to that. He's looking at potentially even second overall. Karloftis, nobody's saying anything about Karloftis. Yeah, he's very quiet about him. When I see and watch George Karloftis, he is absolutely relentless. I see... Uh, a massive human being that moves people out of the way that has uses his hands so I mean like he just uses them as clubs and moves people out of the way and has a, a unique ability to contort his body to get to the quarterback at all costs and and I think that translates much better than measurables at a combine who who would he who would he who would be your comp for him in, in the NFL is it as simple to say a JJ Watt he could be. Um, I I want to look up some of the measurables to, because he actually he's I think he had a thirty eight inch vertical jump, okay. Karloftis, and to me that just shows the explosiveness in a in a specific direction. Um, his comp is is challenging for me because it's almost like an Aaron Donald. You know, have you ever watched Aaron Donald like some of his highlights and stuff? How he gets to the quarterback, he looks like a pinball machine just kind of bouncing around, bouncing, yeah, but forever moving forward, yeah. And that's that's what I see Karloftis as. Like he, even when he's being blocked, he his legs keep moving independently In right his, from his upper body, yeah, yeah. So he just overwhelms eventually whatever offensive line is in front of him. He's got incredible strength, big hands, strong hands. Um, I, I, I think he's going to be a huge pickup for somebody mid to late first round. Yeah. Karloftis, yeah. All right, number two. Number two, defensive end, I have Kayvon Thibodeau. Okay. This is one of the most interesting names, I think, in this whole entire draft because <laughs> we would we went into this, like, what, th- four, four weeks left in the regular season of, of, like, college football. He was number one. 
There was no question. It was yeah. it, it, it was kind of basically all year. He's the one that everybody has to worry about. Now all of a sudden it just seems to be like, oh, well, does he have the attitude? Does he do this? Does he do that? He's just continuing to, quote, unquote, fall down to only be pick number two in my head, right? Like that's kind of what it seems like the end goal is with him. But what do you like about him? He just has that – he has a special ability that not everybody has. It, yeah. And it's the bend around the outside. It's the explosiveness, the ability to jump off the ball in critical situations and third down and go get the quarterback using his athletic ability and his his, and his skill of staying on his feet, you know, like as his elbows brushing the ground. Like, I, I don't know. He To me, he, he is – the closest thing to Miles Garrett. That's exactly. In, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, it maybe not. Maybe he lacks a little bit of the upper body strength, but he has also been forever injured in college. So I think that takes away from somebody's ability to build muscle and and work. That's true. Yeah. Hundred percent in the weight room all the time. Yeah. So I, I'm not gonna. I think if you look at him coming out of high school, he was a man. Like. He hasn't done that much of a of a transformation from his freshman year to to now. Yeah. And I think that just shows maybe the lack of ability to stay in the weight room and, and give it a hundred percent. Um but you're right, he is interesting because people are talking they're knocking him for selling his own brand. Yeah. Compared is, to team success. Yeah. Which when it, when you become in, in such a niche position that it's not about who you are as a person. It's not about who you are team-oriented or not. The guy that I want going after a, a, a quarterback is someone that I don't care about thinking about the team. He's got one goal, and it doesn't matter if he was told to go left or right, just go get him. Yep. That's where I'm at, and and, and I hate the stigma around the the defensive end position right now is everybody's getting so hyped up about the TJ Watts of the world who just goes and gets the quarterback and the Joey Bosa's and don't get me wrong. I like, I, if, if we could get Nick Bosa, the, Nick Bosa, but like, I don't need the high motor guy. I don't need the guy that gives it all every single play. No, that, that, those aren't the guys that are most successful in the league. The guys that are most successful in the league know how to play in this league. They know how to take a playoff because they know the play's going the opposite direction. They're not going to go all out because that's what they have to do. That's what they're supposed to do. They take a playoff or two, or set and up then alignment. they completely go. And then that's when they make the big impact play. That's when they create the strip sack. That's when they create turnovers of, of, of interception. Those are the guys that I'm just like, I want. I want... I would take a Miles Garrett over a Joey Bosa. Not because of anything other than just I feel like Miles Garrett can manhandle and he's got that mean streak and not just the high motor that everybody loves to talk about with other and let's be honest, it's kind of a race thing. It's like the white guys have high motors, the black guys have the <laughs> athletic ability, right? And and the the anger, you know what I mean? It's kind of the stigma well, that the these Boses, guys the, have. The Boses have helped that stigma if there is one. Yeah. I, I wouldn't go that far, though. But, I mean, that's kind of what people talk about, though, right? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no. No? <laughs> I think they do. I don't know. I, I feel, and I'm not saying that's what I believe. I'm saying that's what it sounds like. When it's a white yeah. guy, it's a high motor. Coachability, all that kind of stuff. And that's and that's what Kayvon's getting dinged on a little bit is like, what's, oh, you know, his character, if he he's all in it for himself, he's building a brand. Yeah, I mean, from a from a 
junior in high school, he knew that he was going to go to the NFL. Yeah. Like this guy's been conscious of his brand, which means that he's smart in a lot of people's minds, that he's thinking about the future, that he's setting himself up for long-term, you know, family-changing type of success in his career. Like why, why, why knock that right now? And to your point, who do you want going to get the quarterback? The guy that also is looking for the next contract. The guy that knows that if he gets 15 sacks a year that he's going to make bank. Yep. I don't care. Go do it. Make bank. Get, become the highest paid you know, end in NFL history. That's great. That means you're producing. Yep. And so like, if, if that's I, – I don't think the Lions are going to be – sorry to bring Lions into no, this, I, but I don't, I don't think they're going to be uh, scared away. I don't think any team should be scared away from that type of, type of, a, of a, a thought process, I guess, from Thibodeau. Yeah. The other stuff, I'll let them figure out. I don't, I don't know, you know, his character and everything else, but not because he's thinking about his long-term success from, you know, the moment he stepped on campus. Yeah. All right. Number one. Number one, pretty obvious. It's Aiden Hutchinson. Shocker. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just, I don't think he has the elite traits that a lot of these other guys, it actually, like the, almost the rest of the list has. Um, but he does but he's like second best at every single one of them like he has an amazing first step off the line that's i think the difference from this year compared to previous years it, when i'm watching ajabo i think ajabo is absolutely elite at, at winning from his first step and yet when i watch the tape aiden's on the opposite side doing exactly the same thing they're both almost in rhythm it's like perfect timing where the two of them are doing it together where aiden i think just excels is his ability to he can beat you on the outside. His motor, like we've talked about motor, his motor literally never stops. Like he does run everybody down from behind and, and he's got extreme athleticism. He has the length. He has the, the strength. He has this push pull type of uh, movement where like he engages with the offensive lineman and then rips himself past them mm-hmm. that I don't think is even comparable. Nobody else in this draft is even close to the way he can um, you know, pull that off on a regular basis. And he exposed a lot of high-end tackles this year. I think he's the full package. I think he's a guaranteed impact type of player. Maybe not even a 16-sack guy ever, but but he's he's going to be effective in the run game, in the pass game, on third down, locker room character. Like, he's got everything that you want to be a guaranteed successful pick. All right. And and not only that, but he's got the he he tested out pretty well too four seven seven. But his first three steps were, you know, just as fast as T.J. Watts. Yeah, his first three steps were just as fast as Thibodeau's. You know, he, he won in the three cone drill. Like he was better than every other defensive end in the three cone and in the twenty yard shuttle. Like his short term short space burst is elite, and that's what shows. It's like. The combination of length and strength with the short-term burst ability. Maybe he doesn't have the greatest bend, but he he already won. He got there already, yeah. and he can keep you away from him with his hands and create that space. Are Aiden Hutchinson and Kayvon Thibodeau the number one, number two prospects in this whole entire draft? I think um, offensive tackle would have something would prob- to do with that. Yeah, okay. yeah I, think, I think it's definitely up for debate. I like Evan Neal. Um, I like Icky. And but but yes, I think those four to me are above everybody else in this draft. And and again, like I acknowledge that you know, like a a Karloftis or, or Trayvon Walker or a Jabo really could end up being the best pass rusher out of this whole group. But I think 
all those guys at the top, the Kayvons, the Aidens, um, you know, those are the, the, the safe picks because they have rare special ability that some of the other guys might never live up to. Michigan State. We're talking about it. This is State of My Sports. We are going to have a draft. Whoa. Not NFL. Didn't expect this. But it's our Masters draft. Isn't there like a Masters like theme song? I should have tune? downloaded like yeah. the, the. I feel like that would put everybody to sleep if they're not already though. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> no. All right. So what we're going to do is we're going to have our Masters Fearsome Foursome draft. And, John, you got the first overall pick. Cameron Smith. My pick is in. Cameron Smith. All right. The, really? the Aussie. All right. I've <laughs> never even heard of him, to be yeah, honest I'm, with you. Well, he's, he's up there. I'm, I'm trying to find him. He's like fourth list. on the list. Is he? Oh, yep. There he is. All right. Ryan, you're next. Who would uh, who would your next pick be? <laughs> no. uh, I'm gonna go Brooks Kepka. Kepka. All right, my pick's in. I guess I'll just go John Rahm. I mean, he's got the best odds, right? It's so. a safe bet. Yeah. yeah. Too right. safe. My next pick's in. Dustin Johnson, DJ, right? Here we go. Ryan? Yeah, not bad. Who'd you take, Ryan? Kepka? Yeah, Brooks Kepka. Uh, my pick is in. Jordan Spieth. All right. I'm going names, baby. John. Scotty Scheffler. Scheffler. He's been playing hot. He's won a couple times this year already on the tour. Hmm. Yeah. He's rolling a good stick, they say on the on the links. Is that what they say? <laughs> Do I get another is that pick? What they get say? another pick. <laughs> Holy cow! This is crazy that we're it's just three of us drafting. Yeah, Micah really <laughs> screwed us over here. Yeah. We're, we're really gonna take the top n- nine guys. <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm not, not gonna go outside of it. <laughs> I am. I'm going. Oh shoot! Yeah. All right. Girlfriends slash wives of the Man, end. all right. Give me another European well, guy. Yeah. I'm going to go Victor Hovland. Oh. Hovland. Never Victor. He's young, up and coming. It's a big time for him to get a W. Oh, there he is. How's DeChambeau looking? <laughs> Long? I don't know. Hits the ball far, right? Yeah. Which isn't what you need at the Masters. No. Oh, but it, but it doesn't know. hurt. Yeah. But it doesn't hurt, guys. <laughs> So who you're taking? Chicks uh, no. dig the long ball. <laughs> uh, Allegedly. I'm going to go with uh, Patrick Cantley. Cantley? Yep, Cantley up. Sleep? Goes for I think, it. I think he won like the FedEx Tour Cup last year. Did he? Yeah. All right, my next two picks are in. That, nobody took Justin Thomas yet? No. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, I got to take Justin Thompson. I wasn't going to, but I'm going to. Why weren't you going to? I don't know, because I wanted somebody else. But All right, who else do you want? Well, good thing uh, you got the next pick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
You sound like the other eight teams in the NFL draft that got two first-rounders. I'm going to go Xander Shockley. Ryan. Do I go another big name with Rory? Or Tiger. I probably won't do that. Uh, Pick is in. I got to think about it a little bit more. I tried to reverse it. <laughs> With the 18th pick in the NFL draft, the <laughs> uh, Cincinnati Bengals have traded. Oh man! Okay, so I'm just I'm I'm gonna just uh, air my dirty laundry here. If that's what it's saying. Uh, Justin Rose, Patrick Reed, Bubba Watt, not Bubba Watson. What? Or I go with McElroy. Watson's got two jackets. I know he does. He's a big time guy. I'm looking Matsuyama down. won last year, right? Sergio Garcia? Oh, uh, no. Hideki Matsuyama. Hideki Matsui? Matsuyama. I thought you said Morikawa. No, I said Matsuyama. Oh. I might have said Morikawa. Maybe I said it wrong. Yeah. Pick is in. I'm going Bubba Watson. Almost went Justin Rose. Watson. Huh. Bubba Watson. With a ninth pick or twelfth pick, go Rory. Man, there's a lot of big names still on there. Colin Morikawa won one two years ago. Man, I had his name highlighted earlier. Sam Burns, he's been playing a lot of hot golf lately as well. Kind of down on the list. A guy to look out for, Harold Varner. He's like plus fifteen thousand. If you can get him to like make the cut and make money, I would I would put money on this guy, Harold right, Varner. I'm gonna do it. Yeah, I think it, it might be Varner the second, second or third. No, he's yeah, he's good. Um, dang. All right, pick is in. Stuart Sink. Gimme Sam Burns slash Tiger Woods. I want to have Woods on my team. I'll give it to I wanna, you. I want I want a four and a half some. Four and a half some? I yes. can't believe the odds with Tiger there. Who was the first one? Burns? Sam Burns. Burns. Mr. Burns. Burns and Woods. And then we'll figure out the details at the end. Not that we ever even tally who wins these things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still fun, right? Burn Woods. Burning Woods. From the Red Wings to Michigan State, we're talking about it. This is State of My Sports. I really had in my head that this was going to be a fast episode for some reason. But our Tigers talk was just so good. Well, I think we've been kind of putting things off with the Tigers, right? I mean, on top of the the little lockout they had there that pushed the season back. Yeah. But anyways, we're into our betting hero segment. Ryan, explain betting hero very quickly. Yeah, sure. They they let you do sports betting online. And if you go to bettinghero.com, Put in promo code MIBETS, then you win all kinds of free money. Yeah. Promo code MIBETS. And when you, after you do that, hop on board with the Wednesday parlay. Yeah. Which, well, that's where you're going to do your Wednesday parlay, right? Go through bettinghero.com. So last week, I put a five-leg hockey parlay on the line at plus, oh, I guess it was there was some, some did you do this basketball too? in there. I did. Nice. It was plus 1,004, and the Jets, money line against the Sabres, they won in a shootout, three to two. Knights minus one and a half over the Kraken. They won three to nothing. The Blues money line over the Canucks. They won four to three. I had the Nuggets over the Pacers. They won one hundred twenty-five to one eighteen. And then I had the Hawks over the Thunder for the five-leg yeah. parlay win, one hundred thirty-six to one eighteen. 
That's a parlay nice. win. That's a good payout. Plus one oh one thousand and four. Yeah. What'd you put on it? I always do ten bucks. I, I'm not a big number gambler. I just do yeah. like small bets, but like I have fun with it. Yeah, so. it's a good payout. Good job. Congrats. It wasn't bad. I was pumped. It was it was it's always nice to get a win. I mean at this point if you're following the Wednesday parlay, you're gonna be winning winning money, right? Yeah, I mean so so we're two and five on the Wednesday parlay. But the payouts are worth it. If you just are consistent with your bets, it, it all it all pans out. If you hit two good parlays that are over, I think my other one that I hit was like plus 600. So, like, those are good payouts for, for what you're doing. So, yep. um, this week, tomorrow, I got the Jets minus one and a half over the Wings. The Wings just beat Boston. They're going to have a massive letdown. The Jets need the win. It's going to be the empty netter if they need it. Blues over the Kraken. Blues are good. Kraken's bad. Minus one and a half. Take the puck line on those it's totally worth it payouts there next you got the nets money line over the Knicks. nets are desperate they need these wins and then i also have durant going over 28 and a half and over the two and a half threes I like i'm that. assuming the 28 and a half it might be closer to 30 but take the over on that so those are those are the wednesday par lays for the week Now we're getting into our beer grades for we got, tonight. We got a first a first beer grade that's got to get settled. First beer grade. Somebody over, else beer over beer the air. Yes, we're we got it. We got a beer grade coming in. Oh, right, what's our first beer grade? Yeah, what's going on? Well, <clears throat> first of all, we're missing Micah. He got Micah's home, not here. He got home at eight and was in bed by nine. Allegedly. Oh yeah, hour of homework is that is that what? Because he told me homework. <laughs> Sounds like he got zero homework done. So thank you for calling him out. Maybe maybe he's commenting on Carrie's. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Facebook. Page. He's sleeping. But Carrie <laughs> Carrie's also going to bed. But she had the blueberry strawberry hop shake from Arvon. Ooh, it's kind of a sour. So it's, it's so it's not actually a sour. Oh, it's an IPA smoothie. It's a okay shake. Okay. Have you yeah? Have you had it? Okay. Yeah. That's good. She, she said yeah. awesome. All capital letters, a couple exclamation points. A W E S O M N E. A nine point one. Whoa! I think we're gonna have to. Uh, we're, we're gonna have to adjust our scales here. Yeah, we're gonna have to bring that one back onto the show and see what we got going. Yeah, we're gonna divide that by ten. What's it's going a on? Good, here? good beer, good score. It's a high grade. Nine Gary. one. Wow, I like it. I mean, Sounds you can't like go wrong with Arvon. Yeah, yeah. I trust Arvon. All right, so what are we drinking, boys? Striker, the uh, lager, huh? Lost Art. Yeah, I was gonna get there. I Sorry. was gonna say yeah, the lager uh, from Lost Art Brewhouse. Um, yeah, again, this is like super local to us. Awesome place. Um, really, really great beer. Everything that we've had there is great. Striker, I think, was one of their originals, if I'm remembering right. Yeah, it used to have the the black label with the gold. Yeah, it just said Striker with the Lost Art. Yeah. Yep. This is a five percent easy drinking lager. Uh, I'm a big fan of just again. The, I think the flavor for this lager is just better. I think it's than, a really good than beer. most lagers. Yeah, yeah. And, yep. and that's not my style, but this beer is my style. And, yeah, and that's the best way I can explain Ton it. Ton of flavor, very very good. What's your grade? Um, eight. Man, I've graded this before, so I'm actually thinking, but it. it, it I'm going to give it an eight two. John. What are you feeling with this one? You want to know what I'm really feeling? No, I don't think I want to know what you're <laughs> feeling. The fact that these I don't know where my cat is right these now. These two, these two strikers came after <laughs> several other 
A full day. Strikers. It's up there. I don't. I a lager. What does lager mean? That's just like a Budweiser, right? A lager. I think it's like the right. It's like your base. Yeah. It's like your baseline beer in yeah, the in the, cra- in the beer. in the craft in the craft world. Yeah. Nothing crazy about it, but I would drink an afternoon on the boat more of these. Uh, Hopefully catching fish. Well, next time, yeah, I want to come in. Doesn't matter if you've got a striker. Yeah, it's true. Oh boy! Actually, is a striker is that a is that a fishing lure too? I feel like it'd be a, a good name for a, a fishing lure. Oh, should be. I should. Yeah, I should. I should get a lure and paint it like this <laughs> while drinking these. Name it and sell it. It'll be uh, Mickey K line holding a hook. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you put the bait on. Maybe I don't know. Oh man, this is a is a good beer. It's a good. It's a good beer. It's, it's a good, good beer, beer. He there's, said. There's nothing he just about it that stands out. Beer, no grade. Flavor, just good. weight. <laughs> the 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 return on the second gulp. It's all there. Turn on um, investment. I yeah. I would man. I, yeah, like I said, I could get in trouble. You could give it a grade or no? I could drink twelve of these. Yeah. How about <laughs> I a think nine? You did. How yeah. about a nine point twelve? What? I drink twelve of these. <laughs> no. I, yeah. I'll, I'll throw it up there. Uh, eight three. Eight three. It's up there. It's a good beer. Nice. Drink these, get these. I think you Support guys. Are, I think you guys are spot on. I love what they do. I love that there's a baseball guy in it. I love yeah. the 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 branding behind it all. I love what Lost Art does. They do such good stuff. Uh, we're we're in the works of, of getting an episode there here soon. Um, but this is a uh, great lager, very good lager. I'm gonna go with an 8.0. Nice. I definitely recommend Lost Art to everybody that I talk to when they're talking about like uh, great West Side beers. Yeah. You know like closer in the Walker area. Um, the hops is obviously one of the, I yep. always point them to, but then lost art. It's, it's the other one. It's like, can't go wrong. I like all, the, all their the, beers are good. The one thing that I like about lost art more than the hops, and I'm not going to hate on the hops here, but like, I like the, the brew house. Like it is all about the beer. It's all about the, the modern feel that they, or it's not really modern, but like, it's like a mix of modern and like, it's about the beer, the, the, the but what kind of feel would you say it has like throwback feel like throwback new york feel i guess if you will um but it also like feels more modern and it's all about the beer like there's they have the food trucks which is great but comfort yeah. cool you're not there for a restaurant yeah you, it's exactly. just one so big if you want to have that type of feel i i, I highly recommend community it's more community yeah. Uh, it's yeah true all right there you go i love it what do you think I think it is time to go. Is it time to go, John? Or should we just start the Tigers talk all over again? Ooh. Do you want to talk Tigers more? I could do another top five if you guys <laughs> yeah. want. Top five shortstops on the Tigers roster. Ooh, that, that's <laughs> actually a good one. I like that. Um, I'm trying to find the out button. No, you're not. <laughs> you're missing it. That was episode 151. Oh, we Thank missed you guys the, for being dev- here. Or the, yeah, the, the big one. Yeah, this last week we yeah. were there. Yeah, no, I just <laughs> we didn't celebrate. Thank you guys for recording. Thank you all for listening. We'll talk to you next week, if not sooner, from the hop. Peace. You've been listening to State of My Sports. From the Red Wings to the Lions to the Tigers to the Pistons to Michigan and Michigan State and everything in between, we're talking about it. And don't forget the beer. We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I.
We'll see you next time.